round, full round table. To my left, Matty Holtevig. To my right, Steve Fezzik. You might not know this, the only two-time Super Contest champion. I'm R.J. Bell. I thought you were going to say the only Satanist in sports betting. We don't know that for sure. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know Steve's beliefs, but we don't know if there's any. I mean, I've known a lot of sports betters. I think there are a few more out there. <laughs> yeah, I would over. All right, guys, we're going to do something a little different. And I, I just keep, I'm thinking of ways to do things even better. And one of them is we're going to have two forced picks here each. Now, we've done it before the show, and none of us overlap. So, oh, wait. There's one double like, and then five other picks that are, I guess, four other picks that are one of a kind. No one's on them, no one's against them. So, you're going to get a nice smorgasbord of selections. But we're going to have an ongoing debate during the show. Which is the best pick? What is going to be our pick of the week that we have to collectively agree to? And then we'll see if it wins. And maybe next year, what we'll do next season is we'll make it where we have one that we got to agree on and we'll bet it live on air and then put the ticket out. All right. One last thing I want to do, and Matt, I know you didn't love this idea a few weeks ago, so if we don't want to do it fully with you, that's fine, because you're so respected. Everyone's waiting for a joke. No, I'm serious. <laughs> Fez, maybe you will, maybe Matt will. I want to look at each game from one the favorite's offense against the underdog's defense, and then flip it, because there's only two, per and then by what we like about a game, so maybe we'll just start here. Um... Fez, you like – what was your total you liked? L.A. Green Bay under All right, 45. So that's the first game. So let's start there. L.A. Green Bay, you like under 45 and a half. Open 47. It's drifted down a little bit, 45 and a half. Now, between the two sides, what do you think this line should be? 44. Okay. And 44 is a key number, so there's value under 45 and a half. Fair enough. Laying 110. Now, is that much – one and a half points like that, I mean – What's your ROI on that, do you think? It's 45 will hit like 3% of the time. Mm -hmm. Might be a little high, 2.8%. So if, so we're looking at 52.8% just from going from 45.5 to 44.5. 44 hits like 4%. That pick up half of it, 2%. So we're at 54.8%. It's pretty good. I don't know if it's right, but it sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, and we also have uh, Dave Astler stuff, Uncle Dave and the Hitman. I actually watched... Have you ever seen Million Dollar Baby, Matt? No. Oh, it's such a good... I, I've seen that like 10 times. And the one where the dude's going, I challenged Thomas the Hitman, Hearns. <laughs> and it's like 2004, and he is this guy who's uh, mentally challenged just thinks he's going to fight the Hitman. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Um, so, Steve, on this one, you think there's a point and a half of value. How much of that value do you think is the Packers' offense against the Rams' D, meaning there's less points there it's going to be scored, or how much is it the Rams? Because like, in a way, the anatomy of this point and a half is going to be those two numbers combined. Like in theory, one could be a half point more than you might think. The other one might be two under. So you like the under in the game, but really you'd rather like the team total in that direct. So this is a way to kind of look at the components of a bet. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So you give me your handicap with an eye towards that. All right, so I like the Green Bay defense against the Rams offense. Now, over the course of the season, both of those were about 
uh, league average. Five they, yards per play. Maddie loves yards per play. Five and a half. You love it, too. I do. Um, t- too much so. The Rams, you know, average five and a half per play. Green Bay gives up five and a half. That's a little bit less than league average. So, uh, But... Look at this game. So what's the situation or circumstances where things have changed for the Rams? You've got Goff, quarterback at Cal. Now he's got to go ahead and go to go into cold weather in Lambeau with a broken thumb at maybe 85%. I don't know. He's not when a- does a broken thumb not be a broken thumb anymore? Does Paul Newman and the Hustler still have broken thumbs? Uh, that's a good point. To a, let's say a surgically repaired thumb. Yes, yes, surgically repaired December 27th. So the fact that, he, that they're even still commenting on is um, Wolford going to be available or not, I think is interesting. I know. Listen, here's the question, and Matt, I'll go to you on this. They chose Wolford over Goff. When, and this is what every NFL person says, is if you're able to back up, you're able to play because you're one play away from playing like we saw. Thus, they chose Goff to sit on the bench. And after the game, he was saying, you know, it was a tough thing to see that I wasn't going to play. How does that affect? Here's a guy that's psychologically seemingly a little fragile to start with, Goff. How, do you think it's a factor that he was, you know, that in a way McVay said, I'm over Goff? Because even though he can play, I, I'm going to choose this guy with no pedigree to play. You think it affects him here? Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say with him. He's uh, He hasn't exactly been a legend in big games, even when he was the stud star there. So I, I don't know. So you think he is susceptible, though, to psychological things like this? I, I do, yeah. I mean, he's shown that he is. What do you think, Fess? Yeah, and I, I believe he is susceptible. And just look at him. He does not look like a guy with a great deal of fortitude. Others have commented on, hey, all you got to do is look at him on the bench at the end of the first quarter, and you know who's going to win the game, right? You know, you got to wonder if people, you know how they say resting B-face? That, like, there's a certain look that it looks like a, a gal is mad, but really it's just the way that she, her you know, face is. I think people are like that. Some people seem jolly, but they're really sinister. And some people, you know, I don't know. You got to, I mean, like, you got to wonder, is it, is it, it's not just the look on his face. I guess some of it is his mannerisms in general. He seems to get, well, Brady never seems down, right? Brady always seems like he's fighting back. Maybe it's true. Or is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Is it, it seems that way. So that's what we think they are. But it seems like the golf stuff's come from the inside too. But here's the question. McVeigh didn't have to sign. I mean, I don't think they signed golf to some monster contract without McVeigh's input. You, what was it that McVeigh saw that said, let's put our franchise's future in this guy's hand when no one even liked the smart people I knew didn't like golf even then? Potential? <laughs> well, you don't sign a second contract on potential. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't know. Maybe it was ego, right? Because McVeigh was so celebrated. And I think this year might be his best coaching job, but he was so celebrated. Maybe he thought, I can make the robo quarterbacks, I can make this guy a really good quarterback. But Goff has had a bad – well, if you actually look, he had a really good start to the year. And something cha- – and before he hurt his thumb, something changed, and he had a bad second half of the year. And now Agreed. he's hurt, and now we got the weather, which – what's the temperature supposed to be? 28 degrees. Okay, so, Mackenzie, you did a little work on this. So, now this was from Pro Football Reference? Yes. Okay. Four games in his career that the 45 or under for Jared Goff, 0-4 against the spread – and minus 6.8 ATS margin, so almost a touchdown shortfall. And the Rams scored only 16 points per game. The market expected 26. So the Rams actually underscored by 10 points per game in four games that were cold 
we can all remember, I think, fans, the Bears game when the Rams were really good that year. Yes, that that one just fell off. It was like, what the heck just happened to this great Rams offense? I, I'm the one that was booking your action on the Rams at plus 350, though, Feds. I wasn't all that shocked, remember? <laughs> Yes. For the Super Bowl. Four to one. Remember in week remember week three? Four to one. Remember in week three how you were I can't believe I'm getting this. The team's two and oh. They did get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they did, they had no chance to even win that. And they got a lucky call against the Now Saints. here's here's what was it? That was the that was the Saints passing. Oh, okay, okay. Um personally, if you listen to the X's and O's guys, the defense of Fangio, who was with the Bears at the time, used against the Rams is what inspired Belichick to do what he did in the Super Bowl. So in a way, that way they were lining up straight, you know, not gapped or what. Again, I don't know a lot about it. Was the key. So in a way, golf could be the weather. It could be Fangio had, but now there's three other games out, right? Mm-hmm. So continue. Uh, Cooper Cup, bursitis of the knee. He's questionable. He's their number one wide receiver. So now I got a situation where my number one. So he just got off the COVID list, right? Yes, and yeah. he screwed up his knee. All right. So it's not even clear whether he's going to play or not. So that's and, – and Goff, that's his number. The, the, how is the line? So what, maybe we should start he, or get here quick. What should this line be? Now, you said it, sh- it should be 44, but I'm saying what do the numbers say? Like how do we know that Cup's not accounted for? How do we know? Yeah, yeah I, I think it it is accounted for. That, um, so why are we talking about? Yes. So what do you think isn't accounted for? The possibility that Goff could just be horrendous. In the weather. There's, so, there's, so, so now do we maybe even, though, go with an in-game bet where you say watch a possession or two if he's fluttering his passes? Because really, unless you're betting so much you can't get down sufficiently in-game, there's a lot of t- at times in-game when you have something specific to look for. If you just sit back and say let's see how the game goes, I don't like that at all because when it goes well, you're always going to be losing points. And when it goes badly, you're not going to bet. So in a way, if you do it that way, you're never going to like it, right? You've got to be looking for something that isn't on the scoreboard, I think. Yes. You know, the one thing about unders live, though, yeah. waiting for the uh, confirmation, if you will. But in this case, confirmation of how well he's throwing the ball. Yes. My goodness, it sure seems to me that five minutes into a game, into a scoreless game, if you asked me, do I want the over or the under, it's almost I almost always want the over and not so you th- the under. Is this because you think the market and the algorithms just adjust in a in a wrong fashion? Yeah, they adjust so too much. So why would you ever play an over pregame? I probably shouldn't. That's interesting. What do you think of that? Now, you know, Cantor, when you were there, you're not you're at U.S. Integrity now. You founded the company. But when you were bookmaking, uh, does that sound right that there's a bias towards the over because the algorithm's a little off at the beginning? There's a bias toward the over or toward the under? You're saying that the numbers are too low. There's too much of an adjustment. Downward. Down. Yes. Because it's harder to score to start the game. So the, the bias in the algorithm is toward the under. The bias is to have the number uh, price too low. So the bias would be to bet over. To bet over, but the algorithm have a price bias toward low. the under. A- example, if a total was 60, yeah. just to make it real simple, five minutes in, no score. All right. So what do you think the total should be in that case? It should be like 57. And what is it? 55. Yeah, so exactly. And I wonder if we had access to know, are there sharps just pounding that, right? Like, Because what you're saying is if you just do the math, it might make sense that X percentage of the game has passed by, but you're saying just the game flow says there shouldn't be that percentage score. Exactly. And I'm partners with a guy that just always doing his live bang. That's all he does. And RJ, he literally will scream at me. 
when I play an over. Before. So he says what I said, which is yeah. if you believe this, just wait to the game starts. And, and at like the end of a first quarter, when there's been like no offense and I try to play an under, he's like, what the f- are you thinking? It's that never, he says, that is such a violation. Do you, you think even a quarter in, it's if you just do the math and the algorithm spit now, it's still having, a, as Matty calls it, a bias to the under or price too low, in my opinion. Exactly. So he's like, I don't care if no one has a first down and there's been four punts each. If you play, if you're trying to play an under at the end of the first quarter, it's wrong. It's always wrong because your eyes are deceiving you, saying, oh, these teams can't move. It's just the first oh, it, quarter impact. Is it the opposite? If they are moving a lot, then look out look out below because they're going to be scoring like crazy? I think it all depends. Or look out above, I guess? It, it all depends. It's weird. We, it's not, not a as... national championship game. They put up, what, 55 first half, and the game barely went over by a half point. Though I think when there is a huge lead like that and someone's taking the air out of the ball, yeah, and obviously there's going to be exceptions. For the most, that, that whole first exception. half, it was tied. Or yeah, it wasn't a blowout at the time. Yeah. So oh, which game we talk? Ohio, Ohio State. State yeah, yeah like, I mean, it was fourteen seven. Twenty-one seventeen. I mean, yeah. for a while it was just close until like four minutes to go in the half. I guess all the as a Buckeye grad, I guess all the hate of the Buckeyes after had me a little biased. Like that. it was like, <laughs> so you don't. I mean, the thing. I don't think you can just blanketly well, say the books are off here and... But if it's an algorithm, there is a chance that there's a fundamental miscalculation, right? If there is one, it's always going to be toward the under in football only because of, you know, there's People a reason the over. prop is, will there be a score in the first six and a half minutes of every game? There's a reason it's not, will there be one in the first two and a half? Because it usually takes teams a little bit to get going. You know, that's, that is a great, great point. Because let's, let's address that. I think it's important. Uh, so, so express what you heard from him. So there's props. Will there be scoring the first two and a half minutes, three and a half minutes? I'll, I'll make it simple. And I'll say, like, there's a prop. Will there be a score in the first seven minutes? Uh-huh. And then there'll be a prop. Will there be a score in the first three and a half minutes? Okay. And you're thinking, oh, that's, that's kind of linear, right? So if it's 50% at seven minutes, it should be 25% three and a half minutes okay it's not close to linear so as it turns out in this in the situation you would be willing to lay like minus 480 that there won't be a score in the first three and a half minutes versus the first and, seven and i mean minutes. the simplest way is the first score unless it's some fluke has to allow for a full drive to happen unless it's big ben behind center well, and it snapped over yeah. his head yes yeah a fluke right so you're back to reiterating points with no addition you're actually saying something now so f- don't you don't have to vary into trying to be entertaining right just give us facts all right so that first drive normally is going to take x period of time so the idea of scoring before that and usually it's a scripted drive that's an interesting point right okay but does that mean it has a bias to being longer or is more efficient i think they very rarely script big shots downfield oh, when you watch teams first drives very rarely is it second and two 50 yard pass on the first drive of the game Do you agree with that the uh, scripted drives are more deliberate they're obviously more planned but are they more deliberate yes and in oh. fact you know i've got access to a former nfl lineman and he actually said to me you know the linemen love it when the first play is a, is a run play they like to like you know start out and hit some guy and 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 so there's a bias towards the coaches hey we want to run on our first play except when a team is no like when they put a backup quarterback in and he always throws a bomb on the first play to show that we might throw mm-hmm. and then never throws another bomb yeah. Well, that's what the Steelers are doing with Big Ben for a while, throwing, going deep once early and never doing it again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're skeptical. I think there might be another Matt. There might be another reason, which is it's a different market, right? So before the game, you got the squares people in the NFL. Everyone's batting, right? And oh, by the way, 
this is something that we haven't talked about in here, but it's not the same people managing the risk. So let's say this is Matt Holt's sportsbook, right? Maddie's Maddie's Roadhouse down here in <laughs> in Henderson, Cock Nevada. And uh, I run my book. There's a eight. Let's see. I'm trying to think of what the operators in America and what they do. So there's about a 90 percent chance that while I'm managing 100 percent of my risk via human beings pregame, that all of my in-play risk is being mitigated to a third party, whether it's Radar, Genius, blah, 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 whoever. Whoa, 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 whoa. So you're saying... When you say mitigated a third party, meaning effectively a third party's book in it? I'm flipping a switch on. But but that's that's okay. So it's not that they're not the book isn't exposed for it. It's who's setting the line. I have is to pay it? the exactly. That's right. I have to ex- pay the bets out. But at the end of the day, they move the odds. They change the odds. They're in charge so they're of it all. Un- I flip a switch. And they're completely oblivious if you're heavy on one side or heavy on the other. They're going to be booking based upon no bias either way. They want to split the result. Go look at the big book like Westgate and South Point and all those books when they have a big game. They do it themselves. They don't want because they don't want that third party European company that doesn't even know American sports running it for them. But when you have 35 college basketball games a day going and you're trying to, you know, show them all, what do you do? You just turn on the, you flip the sport radar or flip the whoever switch on. And at the end of the day, that's it. And some places are doing both, RJ. What they do is they, I don't think you can do both at the same time. Really? Because I see that under the the like the live wagering, like at timeouts versus I, I see places that are doing both. Maybe there's, well, these aren't. What is down. the indication that they're doing both? Because they've got a live line and then they've got in-game wagering, and they're separate options. So this is at the commercial. Oh, oh yes, yeah. Are right, doing both with separate lines? You mean? Yes. Uh, okay, I thought you meant you know. Oh, I, I, you know, they're managing my risk, but I have inputs in between. Like and, when uh, I go to the bathroom, they're on it. That, yeah, that's no. not having it. Okay. Yeah, so they might make their limits much higher for their own in-game wagering that they choose to do on that game, which they might not typically do. So live betting is after every play. In-game is going to be whenever there's a stoppage in play. Yes. Okay. And you're saying sometimes, and those odds are actually different sometimes? Yes, at this very same price. Because the book manages their own Mm. Uh in-game. But again, you just turn a third-party algorithm provider on for the live wagering. I've heard serious people lately say they don't believe that you can bet live and even close to get a fair shot. That, That... serious bettors, and Steve, I know you've had great success with it, that they will bet with no problem during timeouts, but if it's between plays, they won't bet. Yeah, and the problem is with the feed. That- well, yeah, it's a delay, and they know something you don't, and you, and then the wheel spins, and if you get a good piece in, they're going to deny it, that kind of stuff. Exactly, and I agree with that. But what percentage of your bets within a football Sunday are at the breaks, and what percentage are quote-unquote live? More or live. But they're all at places. Wait, that, so the, if you don't think you can get a fair break, how do you bet? Because more I'm life? only playing against places that immediately accept the bet, as opposed to giving me the wheel and pass posting me. And and when did you make that change? Because you were a couple of years ago. So it's been a couple of years. That once uh, or one, well, really one season. One season started okay. last season. And Matt, not critiquing any particular provider or anything, would you say that there are factions where some providers are saying we're going to spin the wheel, we're going to do our thing, and people want to? I've play never it. seen somebody do the spin the wheel. You've never seen. I've never seen a regulated operator intentionally spin the wheel so they can, yeah, and give y- somebody a, a raw deal. I, I hear about it all the time. Oh, the wheel spilled. Then it was a play against me, and they rejected it. I've never seen that. I per- think the it's regulated a, a operators sp- in the United States do the very best that they can. All right, now, Steve, I know you want to jump in, but 
that would put Maddie, I think, in an unfair position. Just because I, he's genuine with what he's saying, but even if, if he felt otherwise, he's not in a position to critique his clients in a way, right? So let's kind of pull back. I think you're right in that there is a real consensus feeling that that happens. Um, you're saying you don't believe it. I'm saying I would almost not believe it didn't happen. I'm speaking for myself here because... And again, I don't. When he says regulated, it's an interesting point. If you got a golden goose, you would think you wouldn't risk something over what? Over yeah. But it's funny. Maybe the new, but the people. But you could say that about a lot. Of, like we could say that about. And I won't even name sports it. betting twenty twenty one is not the same as regulated sports betting two thousand seventeen. Okay, so time shift here. We actually went off now for about. 15, 18 more minutes on regulation, in-game betting. It's great stuff, but we're moving it to the end of the pod, and we're going to pick right back up, Steve. So you like the under. We've talked about the matchups and stuff. Then we're going to get Maddie's thoughts on this game. Pick it up. Yeah, so let's talk about the Rams and how I think the game is going to go and where the Rams have had success their last two games. We know the Arizona game. Boy, the Rams just uh, defensive. Um, but it was against what? Streven? What was his name? Strever? Chris Streveler? Streveler, correct. Yes, the bottom line was the Rams were going to win that game with defense. And then when they played Seattle and they played Russell Wilson, and the Rams were going to win that game with defense. Now, ultimately, they got a pick six on a wide receiver screen, yes. and that changed the dynamics of the game. So the game did wind up going over, but it didn't go over because the Rams were winging the ball with Jared Goff and, and company. And I think that McVeigh is very aware that the path to victory here is through Cam Akers and long ball control drives that are going to eat the clock up. And even if they result in punts after three first downs, to go ahead and shorten the game. And so I think that that's going to be in play as well that can potentially help us with our under here. I certainly agree with that. I think the Rams are definitely going to be pounding the ball. But to your point, they were able to do those things because of the pick six. Before that, that seemed like a very nervous, fragile offense that wasn't working. I mean, it was what, three to three when the six, three, six, six three, three. Yeah. So it was, it was three to three in the game, but then they, it was six, three when the pick six happened. And then uh, the dynamic changes because you're now in front. And I think what happens sometimes with these great defensive teams is they can really be great front runners because they can let it loose on defense and get after you and take risks. And then they can play their style of offense, which is risk adverse. And I wonder, though, what's going to happen if they get stuck 10. I will say this. There were several times in this game, first of all, at 13-3 to uh, after the pick six, where the Seattle came down and answered the call. And then right before the half, they, the look, and that was Jared Goff at that point, led him all the way down the field right before the half to get a touchdown to make it 20-10 at half. And then again in the second half, Seattle gets a touchdown to cut it to, I think, 23-20. At the time, uh, what was it? No, actually it wasn't. It was 20-13. to 13. They got the field goal first in the third quarter. So they score first in the third quarter, Seattle. And then the Rams come right back down again. And Jared Goff throws a touchdown, and they go up. And then, of course, Seattle did get a late touchdown. But it was 30-13 to 13 Rams. Steve, do you have to like the Rams here to like your under? Because I does, think so. It does feel like if the Packers are ahead— Rams thrown from behind yeah, would I, be a nightmare. I, I, th I think you do. 
and so maybe this is a parlay. You either take it or leave it. Yeah, and I and I think part of my handicap is what have I seen? Where where have the Packers been vulnerable the last two years to a power rushing game? We've seen them have trouble with that. Do the Rams have a power rushing game. Oh, I think I think do. that's a with, fair statement. With Cam the Akers the healthy, ball. they do. And Whitworth maybe maybe because without Whitworth it was different. So and Akers missed a bunch of games. And without Akers, season. they weren't nearly as good right. with Henderson. You know, running but that, but but if they're running well, you're saying they're fairly efficient, but it's not going to be tons of scoring that means rams though like yes. if you know the rams can run so what you're saying if the rams are throwing you're in trouble because he's, they're going to get some scores but they're also going to cause a lot of trouble for themselves but right? i feel like yeah. we always say that about the rams they just put up 50 in a win in this last game yeah look at the arizona game though you know yeah they do have some duds so golf and they did get a defensive score how much differently would you think of this handicap if golf were healthy like is is a significant chunk of this the lingering thumb issue? Yes, because okay. I think with that lingering thumb issue, if I'm McVeigh, and I think McVeigh's a very good coach, he's going to be like. So, which means you can be comfortable being <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was a bad coach; he couldn't be you. Okay. But did you think the ball was coming out? So this is my analysis, and and you may disagree in this because this is just my analysis of Goff. The throws he was making in terms of how the ball looked coming out of his hand, I thought looked fine. I just thought that he, a lot of his passes were inaccurate. He only ended up being 9 for 19. I thought he threw some passes where if my guy can make a great catch, great, but I'm not going to throw an interception with the lead. Thus, I'm going to throw an extra yard outside or a yard. So you're saying he was lowering the variance I think on he purpose. was. But I thought the ball coming out didn't look wobbly or junky. I thought overall his motion seemed fine. See, to me, what we think of wobbly is when we're throwing around his kid. Yeah, but what is the thumb going to do then if it's not? Well, the theory is it is making it wobble. But a it wasn't bit. doing that. So if yeah. it didn't do it last week I, and he's a week did you think getting Peyton, better. When Peyton Manning was in his last year, do you think his throws looked wobbly? That I'm, last season that he won the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah I did. Okay. Because I, I guess that's the question is what we mean by wobbly. Cause, yeah, I mean, that was a wobbly, sure. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, there's no quarterbacks in the NFL. Philip Rivers kind of throws a wobble ball naturally as well. See, I wonder if it would look that way if his motion didn't look so weird. Like, because when you see someone. Throw, no, but the ball isn't perfect, yeah. tight spiral, and yeah. it's. Did, what did you think of the, your eye test with Goff's balls? I thought it looked his, uh, footballs. I thought it looked. <laughs> I thought it looked fine. I, I could not tell a difference. <laughs> I could not tell that he had any problem at all with the thumb. Right. Although what Maddie said, I agree with that. He seemed to err in terms of conservatism. Um, I never thought about golf saying. I'm going to throw it to this one tight window, and we either catch it or it's incomplete. I mean, that's giving him a lot well, of credit. Well, it could well be McVay saying, look, look it. You well, know? there's a natural thing where you see Don't two guys running, and you say, well, I'm going to throw it really toward the sideline, so if my guy doesn't like catch in it. Mad- in Madden, maybe, but in real life, it, you've got to be an elite quarterback to do that, right? I think there's some risk-adverse things you can do to throws where yeah. you only oh, give your guy. Yeah. I mean, you also hurt your chance for success by doing it, but you also it's risk-adverse in terms of low variance. You're not going to throw in or pick sixes. If we think Goff was so healthy, then the fact that McVay chose to start Wolford, what does that tell us? Well, I think people have been down on Goff for a year and a half. But they never not started him. Right. So, I mean, well, they had a built in excuse this time. He's coming back off surgery. So, why start him here? Oh, he's, he's well, Wofford's even. even Wofford? Yeah, he has problems. I, I don't know that he's going to we, even be we available. I don't think he's going to be available, yeah. but that is, he has not been ruled out yet. 
different story here. You don't really have a choice. He went to the hospital. Yeah. If we knew what, wow, I mean, for for um, precaution, I mean, listen, you're probably right. I'm not saying he's going to play. I'm just saying him going to the hospital was just precautions typically, right? Yeah. If he was starting this game, Walford, what would the to- what, would you like this total more or less under? That's a great question. I'd like it under more. I like Goff uh, better in this game. I think I'd still like it because Wolford would be running. But, but, but you're saying still like it as in, do you think, let me say it this way. Goff starting, Wolford starting, which one scores more points for the game, both teams combined? What total is higher if you were making the total? Uh, Wolford starting because he's going to turn the football over. So you're going to make the total higher because you think he's going to turn. I think he has a higher variance. So you would make Green Bay like eight and the total a little higher. Green Bay a higher because Rams aren't Green as good. Green Bay seven and a half, 47. Fez. Yeah, I can go along with that. That okay. makes sense. Okay. I, I'm not sure because I think the key here, and this is why one of my likes is Green Bay, is because I believe the Rams are the type of team. And again, I was, I've been very impressed with McVay this year. He hired two – he let Wade Phillips go. He made a decision. John Middlecoff was talking about this. He let go – oh, he let go a crutch, a guy that was like the daddy of the team. You know, he started when he was 32 or whatever, and he said, I don't like your diver- – you know, I don't like the diversity of play calls. You're very set in your ways. I want to have be more multiple. He found his own undiscovered guy that was part of the – I think the Broncos organization running this Fangio stuff, and – because he's had trouble with it. That's what's interesting is he said, who causes me trouble? And it's Fangio's system. And he went and found a young Fangio guy that's really good. And they're already getting head coaching looks, right? The Rams, D.C. So in general, McVay in a low-variance game, I like him. This is one I don't think they're going to have that luxury. I think that at some point Green Bay is going to be up. Up 7, up 10. And now what? And I think from behind, I don't care if it's golf or no, in fact, if golf healthy, obviously in the weather, he has trouble. The hand, if the hand's ever going to hurt you, it's going to be in cold weather when you need it. That ball feels heavier and it's hard. I mean, everyone that plays says that. I like the Packers here. But Matt, you've got a theory. We talked about it on SOV that if you look at the bet splits and you look at the move about the Rams batters here being very particularly sharp. So nobody would be surprised if, you know, if, that if anyone said, hey, 80% of the bets are on Green Bay, 80% of the money, and and this line opened seven and a half, and now it's seven. Well, that seems like a standard situation. Green Bay is so popular. Aaron Rodgers, such a public team, especially with, you know, the Rams in this case, with a banged-up Goff and a banged-up Aaron Donald, who we all agree is the most important defensive player in the entire NFL. But... It's it hasn't been that case. In this case, we saw a line go from seven and a half all the way to six and a half, which in playoff NFL rarely happens, first of all, because seven's such a popular fall number. But the early indicators haven't been eighty-five or ninety percent of that money on the Packers. So I don't think the books felt like they could stay there at seven and and oh, the Green Bay money will keep trucking in, regardless of how big or how sharp the Ram betters are. There's gonna be enough liquidity over here with the Packers that it'll just offset at this point. It's more like 65, 35, 70, 30. All right, so if I'm listening and and I understand what you're saying, I just want to make it clear is what you're saying is even though there's more money, and our numbers right now say 83 at pregame.com, you've seen, and you got many sources yourself, more towards 65. So let's say Green Bay, let's say your numbers are right, 65 for the conversation. 
Now they're thinking, wait a minute. If there's 65% on Green Bay and the line's going down, what's going on? Your point is, yeah, there's more Green Bay money, but there's less than we expected, which is maybe a sign there'll be less come game day, and that's they want they can't count on the future Green Bay money as much, even though there's more of it now than Rams money. Correct. Okay. And let's face it, the sharpest of sharps, uh, uh, you yeah. know, we call it booking to faces, as you always say. You know, booking to betters who you know who are known, well-established, professional betters. They're on the Rams in this game, and I'm not saying that I agree with that. No, I'm just I saying hear for you. whatever no, reason what, listen, that money's on we, the Rams. And the good news for me is, if I'm laying six and a half, and the last sharp Rams bet was at seven, it's almost possible, you know, that we're both right. I mean, it's worth ten cents. So, you know, well, let's think about that. Seven's worth about. 10 now, right? Because it was up to 11 or 12, but lines of, you know, all, everyone going for two now. I think every number means a little. Exactly. Well, the key Especially, numbers when do they go for two? They go for two down eight, so you don't get to land on seven. So if you're laying 110 each way, you're only getting half. So you really couldn't be right on both sides. You can be right on three. Or, now, you could be break even at minus six and a half and plus seven and a half, in theory, right? Yes. yes. I agree okay. with that. And you can actually be positive EV at minus two and a half plus three and a half. Yes. Very positive EV. Yeah, because in 40 cents in theory, and you're only paying 20. Yes. Okay. All right. So, but let's just say I got half the, I guess the way to say it is if they're betting at seven, I bet at six and a half, we're disagreeing effectively, but and not as much as if I'm laying at seven. This thing keeps trickling toward the Rams, and I don't understand can it you, personally. Looking at your screen, can you show me what you see there? Like, because I'm seeing right now, what are you seeing, Fed? Yeah, so minus six and a half, lay 102 at Pinnacle. Which... All right, so that's three cents down, right? Yeah. 105 each way. Okay. Right. So, I mean, that's a third of the way there. But so it, that... it, it went from minus seven to minus six and a half, 17. And, and no, now... it's, it's just gone. It's just which, gone one way. Still, what we're saying is at six and a half, 105, 105 at Pinnacle, people said, give me the six and, and a half. And they move off volume. And they're saying, give me the six and a half. So, all right. Now, okay. I have a question. Yes. And I don't know the answer to this. That's why you ask questions usually. <laughs> why does any pro ever lay seven and a half or seven on an NFL game? I don't know the answer. And where I'm getting at is I'll tease it. The teaser's the better play mathematically. So if if a line is sitting at seven and I like the favorite, I'm going to tease them down to minus a half in a six and a half point teaser or minus one in a six point oh, teaser. Hold, uh, hold on a second. When you're laying seven flat, now, I know you've talked before, if it's 7 minus 125, it's worth, you're saying 7 flat where you're not going through 7 but off a of 7 is clearly better than, you know, like the, the implicit VIG is a lot less. That, that, that's not a pure Wong teaser. So how do you mitigate, how is it mitigated that you're not going through 7 just off a of 7? Well, if I just look at the money line on this game, mm -hmm. where it's at now, remember, it's it's 6.5 now. It's exactly. not 7. Yeah. So it's 6.5. It's, it's so it's minus like three fifteen mm -hmm. that I got to lay on the money line. I agree. When I play a two a, a two team six point teaser, even a minus a dollar twenty, that's like implicitly the first leg of a teaser is minus two eighty. Okay. It's cheaper. All right, that's interesting. So great answer. So now here's my question: If you're if you're a syndicate and you're betting, let's let's not talk Dream World though. They sometimes they bet, but let's say fifty thousand they're getting down on the whole side. Right. That's not a huge syndicate, but that's a big number. Are they going to be able to get 50 in a team? Yeah, that's a great point. Right? So it doesn't apply to the biggest of syndicates, but for just the pro betters that are betting, say, 10 dimes a game, 2 to 10 dimes a game, it would apply. Does that sound right? Yeah, I feel like NFL is the one exception to a lot of rules because right now in 2021 NFL, you can get down a lot. On, on even or not. Yeah. 
Now, also when there's only four games, I mean, the, the market is you have to like the great. other, the second leg too. That's a great point. That's right. right. You only got Baltimore as being, you know, as far as a Baltimore was qualifying yesterday. Now it's kind of iffy because the line's back to two point seven on Baltimore. But going off of three, like going from three flat up to nine, that it, that doesn't Not nearly work. As good. No, no. Way. It just shows you the power three. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because in that case, you're only getting half of the value, and it's too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mr. Dave Esler, Uncle Dave, Diamond Dave, he is with the Sharps, apparently, and against RJ, which causes me pause. Let's listen. I love I bet the Rams over the Packers, and I know I'm in the minority, but in fairness, I bet this at plus seven, which is gone but could come back. And I bet this before seeing Fez's power ratings this week. So in theory, he has to agree with me. Look, the Rams in non-division games lost only one game by a touchdown, that debacle in Miami. And, and see Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I know, I know it's talked about a lot, but he's only allowing 37 yards per game to opposing receivers and six yards per target. Is he going to negate Adams? Probably not. But in two postseason games last year, Adams had 300 yards. The Packers still didn't advance. Plus, Adams plays 25% of his games against two of the three worst pass defenses in the league, and the Rams are not just a pass defense. They're fourth rushing yards per play. And then there's a lot of maybes here. Does rest equal rust for the Packers? Maybe. Are the Packers thinking a little about playing Breeze or Brady? Maybe. Uh, is Lambeau with 6,000 fans less intimidating than with 70,000? Maybe. Do winds of 10 to 20 miles an hour affect the Packers more than the Rams? Maybe. Too many maybes equals one big thing to me. The Rams do know how to win because they're not that far removed from a Super Bowl. So I bet the Rams plus six and a half over the Packers. Okay, I'm paused. I, you tell me the syndicates are one way. I'm like, bring it on, Uncle Dave. No, thank you. He's coming out for the Super Bowl. Oh, he is. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, the week before he, uh, we I, had a friendly rivalry, but he is a wonderful human being. I don't know about that. He's a hell of a handicapper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can say that for sure. I tell you, I mean, I look in the back end. He's picked like six thousand picks with us over the years. He's like, you know, like almost 55 it's almost impossible like 55 is the goal the dream and he, he's got like seven thousand. especially picks. at that volume i'm i, I mean yeah. it's been over like eight nine years but it's like geez you know all right well you got a little taste you don't want to tangle with that guy i think you guys broke even about i think he got me if you could even break even i with think i break. was whipping fez i might <laughs> even got you last year but uncle dave put it on me for whatever reason yeah it's strong stuff he put the boots to me he, he just goes different, man. I love the way he's different. I, I've always said this. If someone just agrees with you, they're worthless. I mean, the information. is Yeah. It, you didn't learn anything, that's for sure. You know, I'm not going to bust your balls on the Bears last week at all because I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, true. I'll let you comment on Trubisky a little bit. But I was thinking, I love that every sharp I knew was anti-Bears, and you weren't. Because even if you're right half the time, you are so valuable there because that keeps me off of a game when I, instead of me getting vigged down. And it was a low-variance game that I thought. I mean, New Orleans played the style of game we wanted him to, but Trubisky was bad. So oh, he was bad. Do you reevaluate Trubisky? Like, if you were the Bears, I mean, this is talk radio stuff, so we won't spend time, but if you were the Bears, would you resign him? Well, I will say this. We all agree that he looked really good against some weaker competition, and if we just look at his last six quarters, the four against the Bears and the second half against Green Bay, that certainly wasn't the most optimistic six quarters of football. 
Yeah, I agree. Especially when you have that huge sample size before of all the bad Trubisky. We were trying to say, hey, this is the new Trubisky because he's more involved in the play calling, but the last six quarters sure looked like the old Trubisky. Though so this confuses me because I think it's Brian Burke is one of the – I know he's one of the key analytics guys in the history of the NFL. I mean, literally last five years he might be one, one of the guys, if not that guy. Okay, I think it was him that – worked on QBR. If not, it's one of the key guys. Like, if, if you had a Mount Rushmore of analytics people, one of the four faces the, is a QBR person. Or one of the people worked on. And he was the key. Trubisky had a year, I think he was third in QBR. His second year. Yeah. So, how bad can the guy be? Well, he was running all the time. Okay, and, and that's the interesting debate. But if it would just took that, then I think he'd be running to get a contract. But he didn't rush the ball. Lombardi was talking about that. He didn't rush the ball one time against Green Bay. No. So is it, you think with this contract, you know, with a whole four-year deal potentially on the line. Mm. Yeah. I was wondering if something actually happened to him in that game. You mean Matt Trubisky or Trubisky was being Trubisky? And you figure, is it, what's happened to him? Uh, but, you mean like he got hurt? Yeah, but there were no reports of any injury because he kind of looked like that against New Orleans. Didn't have the same mobility, but mm. there were never any reports of injuries. I just think he played a bad five quarters in a row. Uh, we'll move on, but to me, the naggy thing, all this stuff where it used to be someone with Andy Reid, but really Andy, you know Andy Reid's the coach, meaning that he's the OC. He yeah. might give you the title, and some of these guys never even called plays, but just, you know, and I don't know anything about Biannimi, but you got to wonder, maybe that's not the answer. Same thing with Belichick. I mean, think of his coaching tree. None of them have really ever branched out and especially been great on, on the, their own. Especially on the defensive side. That's right. He gives McDaniels a lot of rope, but on the defensive side, he's the D.C. Yeah. You know, if, I mean, he, think of all those coordinators, Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cornell, Vrabel, um, the old uh, Lions coach that just got fired. Yeah, but Vrabel's a good coach, wouldn't you say? Vrabel is. I actually and remember I he's he, remember the best he, of them all. Vrabel never coached with Belichick. He was That's a player, right? right? Yeah. So, which, again, that maybe is perfect, right? Because you're getting the influence, but you're not. Um, speaking of that, I guess O'Brien, the rumor is, I don't know if it's happened yet, O'Brien's going to be the OC at Alabama. Really? Oh, taking Sarkeesian's job. Yeah, because they're saying this is, uh, this is what Middlecoff was saying. It's like Betty Ford for coaches. <laughs> That's well, funny. if you've got a problem, it's not, you know, drugs or alcohol. You go there and, and then it you fixes, got, yeah. Yeah, because think about it. Sarkeesian was a laughingstock. Coming yeah. off Washington and everything that happened. and Well, I mean, what with the booze and he got fired, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm, I can't believe he got a head coaching he, he, gig. He, yeah. He's he, he can write his ticket. Hold on a second. It's one of the top five programs in the country. He's you, got a Texas job. I couldn't believe UT it. UT is one of the top five programs yeah. in the country. I mean, like Oklahoma can't out recruit UT and Texas. Now, last year they've had a bad – I think what killed uh, the old coach – they got out recruited last year in Texas, which yeah. has never well, happened. Is that before. right? So maybe just Herman doesn't have the correct charisma, you think? Or Texas doesn't have a, the network. It's hmm. a weird place down there, man. If you're not from Texas, you can live down there 20 years, you're not from Texas. Good point. And I mean, there was just that, there was that Texas in a lot, of, like Oklahoma, they, uh, the school, even the Florida schools, when they were more competitive, they would have one guy hired as an assistant coach. That was a Texas specialist. That he was a high school coach because you need one guy that knows all the commission, you know, all the uh, AAU coaches, superintendents, yeah. and stuff. Because that's how you get Texas guys. Because it's Florida and Texas are one, two in in college players. It's mm -hmm. not even close. I mean, think about it. A school like Baylor, which is what the fourth or fifth choice in Texas, <laughs> right? At least can be a you know can Baylor was what. 
ten and one or, or eleven and one. Just a couple years ago. And they're the second best that college rule. basketball team right now. And TCU. I mean, yeah. like we're like, think about there's A and M, there's Tech, there's Texas, Oklahoma goes down there, Alabama goes down. It's a big deal, man. And I've told this story two or three times. It's just twenty seconds. Is there's a guy that actually was the DC. His name's uh, Pivado. He was the eventually the DC at LSU, the co DC down there. I'm not sure where he is now. He he's a great guy. And my best buddy George was on the Houston staff. In 2003 or four, Dana Dimmel was there, and Pivado was on the staff. So I got to know him. He loved food. We would talk food all the time. And uh, <laughs> he, he, he got an offer to be the DC at Cincinnati at the time. So we're down there. I'm hanging out, and he's thinking, should I go? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know, RJ. He goes, I don't. He goes I've spent some time up north. I don't know if I like it up there. He goes, I spent a whole year in Arkansas. He goes, I don't like it up north. <laughs> so in Texas, you know, if you go to Arkansas, you're up north. So they're different. It's di- <laughs> Get on my Civil War map and they fight for the Confederacy. Well, that's the thing. It's right. I mean, but but again, in Texas, I mean, what is it? It takes like 14 hours to drive across the state. You know, they think of themselves like a country in a way, which a lot of people don't like that. But if you want to go down there and recruit, you better be part of the club. So they've got some good. Good football players. Did you ever watch Friday Night Lights, the TV show? No. That's one your wife might like with you because it's got it's kind of like a Beverly Hills 90210 with football. So there's like the football players, but they're dating, and you know, but it's a you've seen it, haven't you? Never. Oh, I should I should have known you did. Mackenzie, have you seen it? I have not. No. <sighs> Maybe I'm in the wrong place. I highly recommend Friday Night Lights. A lot of fans of that show. But it wasn't huge at the time, but a lot of people like sports like it. Okay. <sighs> Wrapping up. Oh, one last thing. So this is a fellow I knew on Twitter. I've known on Twitter a little bit, but I I just heard him, and it was such a good point. I re- when it's unique points, I really try to mention names and stuff because, again, it's a way that it motivates in theory if everyone did that it would motivate everyone to kind of share more stuff because everyone you know people like their twitter to grow and stuff but uh the name is matt Chirnoff, and i think he was working with a book for a while so i mean you know guy seems well he certainly once you listen he's, he's knowledgeable but you know he appears knowledgeable and then as you listen i think he certainly is his point was this if you look at the Rams' strength of opposition it looks pretty good but there were m- about six occasions in which the quarterback that most contributed to that yearly number, because if you say, what's the strength of schedule, you're going to look at the whole year, right? You don't look at what it was at the time or that game, which is probably a problem. That's something I'm thinking about this offseason. And there were six occasions in which the quarterback who was the better quarterback for that team didn't play against the Rams. So the Arizona game is a great example. They Arizona is like the 17th best defense or offense, and that's it looks pretty good. An average... But in truth, with the quarterback Stigler or Stevler, yeah. Stedler, yeah, from American Pie, that dude, I didn't know he was in the league. All of a sudden, now the Rams look good, but in truth, they played a backup quarterback. Right, but by their strength of schedule, they played an eight and eight team. Yeah, but, but now they did just beat Russell Wilson by a combined score of fifty to twenty nine. We're not saying they never played a good game, but first off, if you hold on a second, let someone finish a point before you jump in. Now. And so the second piece to the puzzle is, potentially, is the idea that Seattle and the Rams 
for whatever reason, it feels like the Rams have Seattle's number. And that happens sometimes, right? I mean, Fred, if you think about it, Sam Fran seems to have, Shanahan seems to have McVay's number. Like when the Rams play yes. the four, there's just something about the matchups. I don't know enough to know why, but it happens. Doesn't mean we demit, we completely discount that Seattle was held, you know, in check by the Rams. But maybe we say, okay, there's a certain matchup edge there. There's these games that maybe were a little bit deceiving, and now the Rams maybe go from the second best defense to maybe the fifth or sixth or seventh. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying are they overrated a little bit? Yeah, and so strength of schedule overall, Rams 11th. And strength the schedule. So just to be clear now, I'm going one level better than this. Mm-hmm. I, or more specific. I'm talking about opposing offenses and opposing D. I don't I mean strength of schedule can tell you how the record is, but if you're thinking about how good an offense or defense is, you don't care. If I'm playing a great off I mean, my defense doesn't care how good the other defense is. My defense cares how good the other offense is, right? Yes, but it would carry over to the overall strength of schedule being no. overrated for them or, because or they're playing just, weakened or, offenses. True enough, but why would you dilute it with? I mean, half of that number is about things that don't matter, right? Mm, to, yes. this, to this matchup, I care about how good the opposing offenses are. Yes. So in this case, I think you could make the case that the opposing offenses for the Rams that the defenses face looks better than they really are, and that the example and maybe you know Matt was poo-pooing this a little bit on air is I think the Bills example where the Rams played the Bills and the Bills put up 34 is one of the rare cases where it was a full-strength offense and they didn't. Where's that great D at there? And the other one was against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And you could say, well, you know, Brady only had 200, what was it, 35 yards? 216. 16. And the running back, Ronald Jones, despite having a lot of carries, had like 24 yards rushing. How many yards did they have rushing the whole game? Though? I mean, was there? I think they. I think that's one of the games where the score looked like, hey, Tampa yeah. put up twenty four, yeah. but the Rams shut them down. But if, but remember now, Buffalo talking, was a good one. Buffalo yeah, scored. But on we're them. talking about the Rams is the best defense in the NFL. That's the. I mean, I is, think they're right there with the Saints, one or two. And and that's the, if you think that, I think most people do by the stats. And I'm saying maybe they're the fifth or sixth. And if so. Yeah. I, it's another reason I like the Packers. And one last thing, I like the Packers because of this. For some reason, the Packers have lost the steam because they've been backdoored. But when you're laying eight and you're up 14, you give up a touchdown in the last minute, it effectively doesn't mean anything. Where KC has been up, you know, whatever, a lot, and then they get it where the game's tied or something. Like, to me, if someone scores late to tie you, you were trying really hard to stop them, Right. If someone goes from 14 to 7 with a minute left, like let's say the Bears did that late score against the Saints, or how much do they care? And But because betters lost back in the Packers, it feels like there's sour betters on the Packers right now. Yeah, and it seems that happened at disproportionate amount of the games, like the Carolina game. The last game. couple, yeah. Yeah, where Carolina's like down 11 in the final minute. Oh, let's kick the field goal, right, and get within the number. Yeah, so I think if you lose money on a team, you get disenchanted with Yes. So around the horn here, forced lean or like if you had to play the game Maddie, who would it be uh, packers or rams i have to pick a side if you had to but obviously i'd it's probably tight. lay it with green bay lean rams all right i like as one of my two likes green bay and you you still like the under i do but you would you say if you have the opportunity to go into the game and look to see how Goff's throws look no because it'll be too late then the number will overcorrect 
if he throws a couple Wally passes, you think the number cracks? Yeah, because they'll punt and it'll be 42. Because right, of that effect we talk about later. Okay, and we move that. All right, next game. And we'll see who has a strong opinion on this one. Bills, Rams. I'm seeing two and a half minus 16. Does that sound right? Yes. So we're going to say 2.75? 2.65. All right. So a little, so between two and a half and three, it's more towards two and a half is the way. That's right. right. All right. Who, does anyone have a like on either the side or total of this? I'm getting close to liking the Bills. So why don't you start? I mean, again, this is one of those spots where, you know, we talked about Lamar Jackson's struggles against better teams and how, you know, Baltimore is a bully and how good they looked against all the good teams and, I mean, all the bad teams in the NFL and how bad they've looked against good teams. I didn't think their offense was that amazing last week. Especially considering Tennessee's defense is is one of the bottom five in the league. Correct. And if you take away that 50-yard run by Lamar Jackson, then, boy, the— the numbers get eerie quick. Now, their defense played really well. They had a good game plan. They were playing from in front for the entire second half, basically, after coming out and scoring right away in the third quarter. And, and they did a good job under pressure, I thought. And maybe this is why people are higher on Lamar, who, by the way, had zero touchdown passes again and another interception, is that... Um, they got down early, but rather than Lamar panicking and throwing, they were able to come back, tie the game early in the first quarter, and thus they didn't have to deviate from their game plan too much. You got to wonder, would they have done that if they weren't so sure Tennessee's D is so bad? Like, in a way, Tennessee's D being bad allowed them not to panic, it feels like. Agreed. So, here's my question. I, is Josh Allen accurate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good. Here's, <laughs> here's my question. I think I made a mistake on the Ravens. And I, I think it's so weird sports betting because on one hand, to stay strong when, you, when everyone disagrees with you is how you ha- the only way to really win. Or not everyone, but most people. On the other hand, you gotta make, if you make a mistake and it's wrong, you got to get off it. And that's the challenge, right? Sometimes it feels like you're jumping off... I thought the Ravens were Fugazi and, and, and Fool's Gold. But now I think about it, couldn't you make the following case? That Lamar's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. But he doesn't need to be a great quarterback for this to be a really good team. So he doesn't throw great, but he can throw okay, but he runs amazingly. Who knows what it means for the future, but now he's good, right? Yep. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Number two, though, their defense might be top five. And what obscured that was... The COVID situation, there was a combination of COVID and injuries where that middle of the year, they just were bad because they had so many people missing. And that Tennessee first game, they were a lot of miss. And now we're saying, wait, Lamar's not that good and the D's not that good. Well, maybe Lamar, maybe it was kind of fluky that he hasn't done well in those two playoff games before this one. And maybe the D is top five because Lombardi was reading off because he loves Morningwig. Like, personally, they know each other, and he loves them professionally. And he was saying in the last two years, here's the Ravens' stats, and he was rallying off points per game, number two. It's like one or two or three the last but two some years. of those are so padded because what they do to bad teams. But does that help the D? Because if anything, if they have a big lead, you would think the defense would give up a lot of points playing soft. 
right? They never see But seen... they're bullies. They don't ever play soft. Yeah. They keep trying to score on offense. They keep trying to shut you down on defense. That's the Harbaugh It's because they run, so they keep running their offense, which is running, so it keeps working. Yeah, but in a way, we're almost penalizing them, saying they play hard. They play like American, good American, yeah. tough football in a way. I, I don't like the Harbaugh's because I'm a high State guy and a, a Pittsburgh guy, but you got to give them credit. They do play hard all the time. Now, maybe that does skew the stats, though. So we can give them credit, but it also skews the stats. Uh, where do you – I mean, I, 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 he looks right over – I got it. You can go look at Football Outsiders. Where do you have the Ravens defense? Not going to look. Top five. <laughs> all right. What does Football Outsiders say? Baltimore? Oh, number nine? But maybe that's right because they had more injury. I mean, that, that one stretch, pull up their schedule. Mackenzie, pop up their schedule. I have it right in oh, front of Oh, you got it? Yeah. Like, so other than the point in the middle of the year, you know, the couple games before Pittsburgh or so. Let's call it the stretch where they lost four or five. Uh, and except that that could be they just suck and we're trying to move them. Because they only lost five, so that's yeah. the big stretch. But we could be cherry picking here or maybe we're making a point. But go ahead. Other than that. So after that stretch, so after they lost four or five, it was win versus Dallas, 34-17. Win versus the Browns, 47-42. Giving up 42 there is not good. Win versus the Jaguars, 40-14. Win at home versus Giants, 27-13. Win against the Bengals, who quit, 38-13. Yeah, now I'm going the other way because you know what I'm thinking? That Browns game is the one game that really matters. And – I'll accept this. Them holding Tennessee the way they did, you got to give them credit. But them scoring decently and not that good against Tennessee doesn't tell me much at all. So maybe the D's good, but the offense isn't good. Maybe the under's the play. I don't know what happened in that game, and I heard a couple of the linemen for Tennessee were were banged up of playing. But, I mean, they had, a, what, 166 yards of offense in the first quarter and then 70 the rest of the game. What did you Titans. see, Dave, when I uh, I saw Derrick Henry just getting hit again and again before the line of scrimmage and Calais Campbell on the defensive line for Baltimore, keying on Derrick Henry and dominating. And what they're saying is that the Tennessee was too stubborn because they're saying, no, so the OC is the dude that his dad owns like FedEx or, or runs FedEx, right? Yeah, he, he has that crazy hair. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. Is maybe? that it? It's Arthur something. Yeah, it's Arthur Smith. He's a candidate for a lot of these yeah, jobs he's get, coming up. Yeah, he's getting a lot of love. They're saying he's been too stubborn because everyone in analytics wants you to throw him first down. That's all you hear, throw him first, throw him first. But you got Henry, so they haven't. They said that they kept running and they were getting like 2.6 yards of carry. Yeah. So, and everyone's blaming Smith, but still, they didn't put up that many points. No, and they had the ball, the chance to tie it with four to go. So driving you, down. You're the Matt. You're the Bills expert here. The D's gotten better. Yep. Throughout the year, and doesn't Ladavius White, Ladarius White, who was hurt, shut down corner. Yep. Pro bowler. They say that the Bills let you run for five yards a clip because even though in theory you're going to get five and five and then first and five, it's less efficient than a modern NFL team throwing. But against the rate, how do you think the Bills will do against a team that wants to run this much? It's interesting because they are not necessarily built to stop the run, but but what I like is this coaching staff and the continuity that they've put together. And between the quarterback and the head coach and the OC and the DC who have all been there, and they're going to put a specific game plan in place for this game. And I believe... Now, the offense has been better known to really change things up than the D, right? In general, I hear they come up with the building. Well, they had less options earlier in the year because the whole secondary was banged Mm -hmm, up to mm -hmm. crap. What do you think, Fez? 
about the game? No. Um, <laughs> no. The metaphysical the nature of life. <laughs> Initially, I said, this is a terrible spot for Baltimore. Can we make, that's my favorite part of the <laughs> I was like, I want to bet against. I wish I had a great line I, when I, he I, said about the I'm game. Sorry. I'm we sorry. Were just, we were just frozen. <laughs> I'm here for the pizza. Um, I thought it was a terrible spot for Baltimore because I'm like, third straight road game. So turns out that's a bad spot in general for NFL teams. 85, 104, and 2, 45% against the spread. 85, 104, 2. And how many of those are playoff games? Took a look at that. So 33 of them, 13 and 20 against the spread. So it gets even worse, 39%. Okay. McKenzie, help you with it? Yes. McKenzie, can you look at how many of those that, that, that all three games weren't road games? Because in theory, there's three scenarios, right? Road, road, first playoff game, road. And then this one, road, playoff game. And then theory, oh, I'm sorry, uh, road, road, last game of the season, First playoff game and now second playoff game. And in theory, it could be last home game was the last game of the season, road, 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 and with wild card teams. Right. So I think it's a little different, especially considering the Ravens had to – I guess they had an easy game that – The Cincinnati game. Cincinnati. game. Yeah. Still, Cincinnati. They still went on the road, though. Yeah, so still had to travel. Could you break those 30 up to see which ones are all three playoffs, which one's the first one, the third game's the first one, and in, and in this scenario? Yeah, sure. And we probably won't have enough sample to know, but go ahead. Short week, six days. So Baltimore is the one team that played on Sunday. Now they got to play on Saturday. And the Bills being at home and home, it's an advantage. Yes. That's good stuff. Home and home with an extra day. But Uh, then I looked at Baltimore, and this is interesting. Baltimore had four games this year with a short week. mm -hmm. You know, that's very unusual. A Monday night game and then three because of the COVID Mm -hmm, scheduling. mm -hmm. And they went 4-0 straight up, 3-0-1 against the spread. So here's a team that's used to short weeks and had success with the short weeks. I don't know. I mean, who were those three or four games against? It was during the stretch. It started the game after Pittsburgh was the next three. Okay. Yeah. So the Dallas game, I mean, they the were Cleveland a, game. I mean, they remember now, they were almost out of the playoffs at a given. I mean, after that Pittsburgh game, there was talk, they're, you know, if they lose one more. In fact, if they would have lost one more, they would have been out of the playoffs. Six and five, right? Yeah. After the Pittsburgh loss. Yes. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm saying is that, yeah, I guess whatever, 11 and they had to win five. In, was it five in a row? They did. They won five in a row. So, but in, we now know historically if they lost one more game, they'd be out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. If they lost Miami, lost, well, who would have been in? I don't know. But it would have been close. So, in a way, they had to win, right? Maybe that's, if anything, maybe that's accumulated fatigue now. Because it feels like it's will against some of these teams. If, if it doesn't matter if they played in three days, if they had to win, you think really think the Bengals are going to beat them, right? So it, it, the way they played against the Browns, how do you explain the Browns? Because whatever you want to say about the Browns versus the Steelers, that was the Steelers playing bad. I'm not saying the Browns don't get credit, but it's not like oh the Browns are great. So how in the hell do, in a must-win game do the Browns almost beat you when? Meaning if Ravens are really good. Because a lot of Sharps think the Ravens are the second best team in the NFL. They really do. Like everyone I know that does media that I listen to, I think this guy's a real professional batter. They all got huge Ravens future tickets. Everyone, like six of them. They love this team, right? If they're really that good, how do the Browns play you that close in a must-win Monday night game? Well, I mean, the spread was three to three and a half, so basically it landed on the, the game. number. You watched the game, right? Yeah. They could have easily lost the game. Yeah. 
Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. I don't care what it's the final. I mean, meaning it's a fluke the way it's. And again, you can say Lamar was out, and maybe that's valid because he missed what a quarter or whatever the game. A little less than a quarter. Yeah. So I, that defense giving up thirty some didn't have much to do with Lamar. Forty two. Was it forty two? Yeah. I, I mean, Steve, you got to say something at some point. Like, what do you think of my point? Does that Browns game concern you? Oh, yeah, I got to go. Uh, yes, especially the fact that the defense got well, shredded. Hey, they covered, though. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I mean, even if they didn't cover, they win by three. You know, winning by three at Cleveland, a playoff team, is not, I don't think, a game that you should say, hey, Baltimore's not an elite that, NFL team. I think if it's the only tough game you have in a five-game stretch – and your focus was really strong on it, you're supposed to win that. But each and every one of these games, are, they have to play with a short week. It was one of those bad scheduling spots for Baltimore. I don't think you have well, any This night. is a bad scheduling spot. And, oh, by the way, Buffalo's a lot better than Cleveland. Yeah. Yes. Here's, here's the debate, and we don't, we're not going to solve it here. The fact that they've had many of these spots earlier this year, that either is a sign that they don't, aren't going to be bothered by it. That's what you think. Or there's an accumulated effect that's going to hurt him even more now. I tend to think there's an accumulated effect, right? Whereas they were look, look at the Steelers. The Steelers had some bad spots for a while. They were they were eking out wins. Mm-hmm. Then the levee broke with Washington, and then it just went. Woo! The, the waters came yeah. rushing in. It, now listen, the Ravens are a tough mental team. Let's give them credit yep. for that. It feels, well coached. Do we look maybe second half? Is this one of the things? If we do think fatigue's an issue, and if you like the Ravens play at first half. And if you like the Bills, maybe look second half. I like that. I like that. I like think, that. think it's possible fatigue's an issue. Yeah, Bills second half maybe, huh? How? Which this, I haven't seen the splits. In general, what do you think about the Bills first half, second half? Forgetting this game. Um, you know the Bills have been a tricky team. So early in the year, they were having these amazing first halves, like in the opener against the Jets, the game against the Rams, where they got up 28 nothing and actually allowed the Rams to take the lead in the fourth quarter. They had some really sluggish second halves earlier in the year. But as the year went on, I thought, you know, look, they, they stopped, I think because they had so many scares early in some blunder games that they just, hey, we're going to put it on you all game. And we saw it right up until the last game of the year where they just kept beating Miami down. Yeah, and a young team doesn't know how to win sometimes. That's and, right. And, and, you try it, to call off the dogs, but you don't know how to slow your offense down. And so I think throughout the year they just said, you know, just keep doing what you do in all game. All right, hey, we got the numbers here. All right, so all three playoffs, so it would have been wild card team, three and seven in that third game. When it's one regular season and two playoffs, that's what we got here, seven and seven, small sample, and then two Regular season one playoff, three and four. So it looks like it's when you have three straight playoff games, there's minus you run four out of units, gas. Minus four units. All the other ones is only minus one. Interesting. So that would speak a little bit for the Ravens. But I also think the the combined fatigue's an issue, I think, in that game. But I just wish you could. I think there could be some weather too, which is part of the reason that I'm not like this isn't my best bet. I I love the Bills. I think everyone knows that that listens to this pod. I just since before the season to now, I just love the Bills. But I figure it, I I don't I've seen rain, mixed rain, ice, sleet. It improved. I didn't I I, I saw the precipitation being less likely in the latest forecast and I think uh, th- around 28 degrees, well 30 degrees. Well, when you 30? get precipitation at 28 degrees, it's ice. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I just thought if the field did get messy, and again, look, we don't know exactly what the weather is going to be yet, but if it got 
icy, rainy, sleety, and it got a little slick, that's certainly now you want to run the ball more and it would favor Baltimore. But All right, assuming so the field's okay. Maybe. If there's no winds, probably helps the passing. You like but don't love the Bills? Faz, you got nothing strong in this. Lean Baltimore. Lean Baltimore. I He's lean been ba- leaning against the Bills all year. He's just <laughs> well, praying to God. He I just got to be right one game. I tell you this. Six. I, I thought, I, last thing for me, I think the Bills not covering and having a tough game against the Colts was the best thing for the Super Bowl. Sure. Did you tweet can out? I, can I finish my point, please? Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, you go. No, go. Say, what were you gonna say? I think Maddie tweeted out there'll be no buyouts. Was that about me? Oh, well, after the show last week, people were hitting me up saying, are you going to accept a buyout from Fez? And I simply said, there will be no buyouts. <laughs> Ain't going to be no rematch. <laughs> yeah. Don't want one. <laughs> well, listen, he, you've got 7,000 of exposure on this 6,000. Oh, yeah. Seven. Another thing. Because remember. 7,350. Oh, exactly. <laughs> we should buy a car together if we want. Sure. <laughs> but I can use my, my comped pen yeah, to write the checks. Your Japanese there you go. Pen. No, cash, please. Cash, please. I mean, you wouldn't give me a check. You think I want the government in my... Oh, wait, never mind. I, it's all reported. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny thing is most serious batters... And, and, you know, Doyle Brunson did a great thing for batters. He's way back in like 75. He said, listen, report your taxes... Because otherwise, you're going to get caught eventually. And plus, forget it. Financially, it's better because you can invest that money. Sure. Or if you're hiding it in a bank safe deposit box, what do you do with it? It, all, it's it just, just sits there and collects dust. And depreciates, right? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I've never – it never made sense to me to work really hard and then know one day the hammer is going to fall, right? Yeah. So, if I, thinking of that, instead of me saying cash only, I'll just say it like this. <laughs> That's the way we're going to count our money, Matt. Boy, it's going to roll for a few on my side of that. <laughs> think about this. this is how, think about how it's going to be like tickling your brain. Uh, I think you had almost like an experience. I saw you had like, like, a, like almost like a cigarette, like a guy that loves to smoke taking a hit, and you know how his face goes a little soft. I, it's going to be a good one. There's nothing more gratifying than when, you, when you're when you on one of those at the beginning of the year. And, and at the end of the day. I, I thought you were a little crazy. I really? can't lie. I, well, when a team's 30 to 1 and you're acting like it's a, like not a short thing, but they're one of the favorites, that is saying you liked them three levels better than anyone else. Yeah, I think what really got me excited about the Bills, and we were kind of going through this, me and the guys at the office, was how do you get – a team that's at least 50% or better to win their division at better than 25 to oh, 1. That's an interesting point, too, right? The and whole theory is you can be a good team that fluky doesn't even make the playoffs. That's right. And they not having to play a road game, you know, until, in theory, Kansas City. And we all knew the Jets would be terrible. Miami exceeded expectations, and the Patriots were due for a down year. Well, last thing on this game. This line is saying the Bills are clearly the better team. And I agree. But what I'm saying is let's not forget – this Ravens team, I mean, somebody said, and I mean, I'm not necessarily making fun of them, but luckily we've got the sound here that we can just play real quick so we know exactly what was said. Just let me see. Let me pull this up real quick here. In my whole life, I've never seen two teams at the top of the, my, my ratings that they were so distant. It's like it's those two and nobody else. It's Kansas City and Baltimore. All right, we're back. 
Fez, that's true, isn't it? And they'll be in the AFC Championship game as expected. Ooh! Do we? Do you want to compound this bet a little bit? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, because you'd be in trouble if they if Buffalo wins this one. You're but I'm trouble. confused. If you think the Ravens are going to win, it's plus two, almost plus three. Why don't you love the Ravens right now? Or you're just trying to show false bravado. He's just prancing a yeah, little bit. Yeah, low, low, false bravado, Fez? Possibly so. <laughs> Quick uh, injury note, Buffalo um, has a two-headed running back monster. Half of it's gone. And Moss, who's injured, uh, as long as Singletary stays healthy, shouldn't be a big deal. But they don't run the ball that much. Yeah, I, I'm, I was worried about Moss. I mean, I heard all the, all the wise guys going, Does Moss, let's get confirmation on Moss before we make that bet. Who? Moss, he's the rookie running back. He's uh, oh, probably the better of the two running backs. Oh, he's great, right? How many yards do you have this year? 270? No, they're both like. How many yards do you have this year? All right. As as 480. Oh, well, how would they go against without him? I know. 481. <laughs> they've been, oh, they've been using him a little more than Singleton. Well, yeah. <clears throat> well, listen, when you have a middle linebacker that becomes a running back, he's <laughs> just generally tough. And he has coaching experience. I, Singleton, yeah. Chiefs, Browns. <laughs> This is one of my bets. So Packers was the first one. I like the Browns. I don't understand this line. If you would have made this number, well, I mean, I don't know. Did you make the AP number, Fez, before or after you saw the actual number? I didn't make an AP number on this one. Oh, because uh, it wasn't even the, uh, I guess because the games weren't even decided yet yeah. at that time. Okay, who was going to play? What, was your, what would your opener have been? Eight and a half. My numbers, my power ratings make it seven and a half, and I would have juiced it a point. I've never heard anybody, uh, everyone, I heard before the game, they were talking about this, and they said, if it was just to split the result, so a fair line, six and a half, seven, they thought it would come out, seven and a half, if you want to, you know, really juice it because you think the public's going to be on case. Seven and a half is the number I saw everywhere. Cause I thought there were some books offering like the look ahead or the what ifs. And, I, and I think seven say? and a half was that number. That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. and that was taking bets on it. So saying, yeah, with I the think pu- that was the number. We know Casey's got a little public love. So, I mean, the point I'm making is your number is the same too. So let's forget what we think it's supposed to be like, what it's, you know, you're saying seven and a half. Mm-hmm. We're getting 10. So, but the Browns aren't one of your best bets. No. Because you're scared. Because I'm scared. You're scared. I'm scared that the Browns just had to tear down the goalposts, generational oh, God. win. When does anyone ever be flat in the playoffs? When is that ever? It's going to give them confidence. Because when you don't have your coach, and I listen, I like Pittsburgh, but I said I think it increases the chance that they – I think the, no coach increases the Browns' chance of winning, even though I like Pittsburgh because I think it's a rare thing. But once they get up, I thought – Remember I said, I thought, they're going to be like, we don't even need it. It's going to be like irrational exuberance, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Now they get their coach back. So in a weird way, it's like they didn't. They won that game, but they it proved to them when daddy wasn't home, they could still take care of the house. But now daddy's back because they got a big fight. I think it sets up great. You're just thinking because they won, they're going to be like drunk? Yes. I think they can lose this game by 30 and still been a monster great year in Cleveland. Yeah. I don't like that. But under that theory, an NFL quarterback like Trubisky has generational wealth. You don't think he cared about the next contract, even though he has generational wealth? Like, I think he doesn't care about it the day after he signs a new contract. I think four years later, you know, I think but he But he cares. still has generational wealth. I don't know about that. 
He should have if he lived like the the way well, you he know should how, have. Do you know the way he lived? There has no. to be For a guy some... who's got a seven thousand square foot house. I mean, there has to be some letdown factor. Like Ohio State had that huge, hey, you know, uh, Dabu Sweeney says we're ranked 11th. They had it on the chalkboard for three weeks. They go out and whip Clemson. They certainly didn't look like they were, you know, the same. Do you think it was lack of motivation? I think it was a bad spot. When you're coming off, hey, oh, by the way, Ohio State had failed in their last few attempts at beating Clemson, and, and all of a sudden you go in there, they're telling us we're only ranked number 11 and you whip them. Yeah. And, of course, some of it's banged up, and, of course, Kansas City got to get healthy. And- Wouldn't the look-ahead line account for that, though? Because the only way the look-ahead line would even matter is if the Browns had beat the Steelers. Yeah, right? that's a good point. I mean, but yeah. maybe they weren't thinking that deeply either. Go ahead. Now, I did have McKenzie do a little research on the situation. What happens when you have a big playoff underdog, they win outright, and now they're another big underdog? What's a big? What's I defined it to be five. Big? I said five-point or bigger underdog in the playoffs. You win outright. Then you play the next week, and again, you're a five-plus point underdog. And I thought, these teams are going to absolutely not do well. And turns out, pretty close to 50-50, 9-10 against the spread. So nothing significant Mm. at all in what I would have thought would have been that, wow, you know, we overachieved. 9-10 since when? I think that goes all the way back to the 1980s. Like forever, 81 or whatever that thing. Yeah, Yeah, 89. Yep, whole database. Wow. Okay. So that whole, oh, I just got that signature win, I'm fat, drunk, and happy, and maybe I just can't bring it the next game, really didn't. I mean, it's 9 and 10, so it does. it's not positive or negative, nothing. Yeah. All right, so, Fez, even though the dad is telling you it's fine, your heart's telling you no. Yes. So explain to me what you think, like the mindset. So it's going to be, Oh, we got to practice today, Coach? Like, like explain it to me. No, like, the, the mindset is footballs are passed out off the first victory in Pittsburgh in 18 years, and the coach is giving nothing. No, I coach. understand. I mean, you have said nothing so far. Say mm-hmm. something. Like, now what? Pat on the back to all the players. Go and celebrate. Take, we're going to no, take tomorrow off. The coach off. is gone. Because yeah, he, right, right. The so, coaches, yeah. All right, go ahead. I can just see the— so do we, know, we don't have to speculate if they took the day off, right? I mean, I don't know. Okay, so why are we speculating? All right, I just think that the mood is celebratory, and that is not good for preparation for the next week. Okay, but wouldn't you agree that most Super Bowl champions get on rolls? Like, usually you don't see a team win a close game, win a close game. Like, in general, Super Bowl teams get on a roll. I'm not saying always, but sometimes there's just bulldozers coming in and they win by 10, they win by 10, home field, or whatever, right? Meaning uh, they might win by 30. Now, once they get to the Super Bowl, it seems like that doesn't always continue because oftentimes both teams are on a roll and then it's, you know, what happened. But like Carolina, the year they made it, up until the Super Bowl, they were just blowing teams out. I think one of the games was closer than it really was, but I, I think a team winning... A big division round game, let's say, even if I mean, like the fact that they haven't beat Pittsburgh and Pitt, they just beat Pittsburgh, like literally the week before. They're bat Pittsburgh's back. It doesn't Ups. matter. Oh, I think it matters. I, do you have anything other than the fact that you're just saying it that makes you think that in the playoffs, when careers like the Browns only need to win three more games for Baker Mayfield to he, he will his life will be set. If you're a Super Bowl champion and a number one pick, meaning no one's ever going to be able to really question that you were a bust, you can never be anything but good. 
Because no starting quarterback, even, even uh, Trent Dilfer, who had a middling career, right? Better than I could have done, but a middling career. I think career. you're being kind, too. Yeah. All right. I tend to be kind. Is he is Super Bowl champion Trent Dilfer. Baker Mayfield's three games away from that. You think he's thinking about like strip clubs and porn, like beer. Like he's thinking about something other than he's watching the replay of some old high school games. And remember, he's going up against the best quarterback in the NFL who was drafted the same year or the year before him. But these are right, these two in theory, this could be the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady of the next generation. I'm not saying it will be, it might be. You think Mayfield's just distracted? He's thinking about what? That's what I don't understand. What's he thinking about? He's thinking, thank God we beat Pittsburgh. The monkey's off my back. I am, I'm already I'm, I'm, I'm severely elevated in terms of how people perceive me as a quarterback so now. So I might as well be lax a day. I might as well not try. No. They're going to try their hardest. I'm confused then. It's a matter of how they're going to react the first couple days after the Pittsburgh but, win. But wouldn't that be show up in the stats? It doesn't show up in nine and ten against the spread. Exactly, like flipping a coin. I would have hoped it would have been more. I like know, but six it's not. 11. So it doesn't it. contradict it. Nine and ten. Well, it does. It contradicts. Or is it, you're saying there's an effect? That's saying there is no effect. That's a contradiction. It's in a, there's been no effect in a small sample size. So yes. now I'm asking for your proof. I don't think all of those five plus point dogs had victories that had such a So now we get a circumstance. Get to subjectively decide which ones did. Yes. And have you done that? I just, if, if this was a win for the ages for the Cleveland Browns, a win for the generation. Do you think the fact that it was an easy win changes anything? I don't know if it was that much of an easy it win. Was an because, e- they were up 28 nothing. Yeah, they were, they were up 12 in the fourth quarter. They have 28 nothing. And from there on, Pittsburgh, if everything had fallen right, could have came I, back. I think that is a that is a key factor that it would have I would have been much more likely to fade the Browns if they would have won 31-28 in overtime. Yeah, it feels like they had a chance to win the game to get used to this. And they just beat the team the last week. Matt, how, but you sounds like you think it's a factor. I, I do think it's a factor sometimes in the, in but in this game, do you think? I think it could be the the overwhelming factor for me in this game, which has me on the Cleveland side, is the simple narrative, uh, which has been there throughout Baker's brief career, which is that he turns the ball over a lot when he's forced to throw. But that hasn't been true uh, lately. Baker Mayfield has one interception in his last 10 games. He has thrown is that right? 12. 10, 10 games. 10 games, one interception. That's a good stat. That is unbelievable. For a guy who everyone always says, oh, you can't trust Baker, he'll turn the ball over. One interception in his last 10 games, 12 touchdowns, and one interception in his last seven games. This is a guy who he's not turning the football over, and thus I don't think that can be a concern anymore. I'm curious about something. He had one interception in 10 games, and he said 12 touchdowns, one interception in seven games. Did he have no touchdowns in those three other games? He did. He had zero, 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 yeah. zero, zero. That's three the only reason games. that you would have said it that yeah. way. <laughs> yep. That's interesting. He actually had three, a game of that, three straight games. Was that the games. three weather games against Oakland or against the Raiders? And then it was um, Houston? Philly, Houston, and the Raiders. Yeah. Yes. Those were the big win games. Yes. Remember? No so, touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, because it was like 13-6 against the Raiders. Yeah, okay. So, hmm. all right, this is a good segue. The Hitman. 
Yeah, not Thomas Hearns, the Jersey school teacher. He has Kansas City's team total. Let's listen. Best bet. We're going to go with a team total here. We're going to take the Chiefs over 33 and a half points scored, and I like it up to 34. One of the main handicaps is the fact that the Chiefs off a bye with Mahomes and Reed been absolutely unstoppable offensively. In that situation, the Chiefs have scored 40, 31, 40, 51, and 35 points. And if you look at the matchup against this Browns defense, it's one of the best matchups you can have all year. Not only do I have the Chiefs in that situation of being off a bye in a playoff game where we know we're going to get the A-plus playbook from Andy Reid, but also the Browns, if you take away the three bad weather games they've had this year and take away turnovers, which have a degree of randomness to them, the Browns rank second worst in the NFL in points per drive allowed. KC this year played five teams that ranked bottom 10 in that subset, and they scored 32-plus in all five games. Best bet, Chiefs team total over 33 and a half. He is known as the translucent one. What he's like six six two, I think, about one forty. The hitman. Yeah. Loves ribs. <laughs> you mean his own ribs or eating ribs? Loves Ellis Island ribs. Oh, I they got good homemade root beer at Ellis Island. Oh. You ever had that? The best. I like good homemade root the beer. Apps, you know, I would have given them the best that ribs I've ever in had Vegas. Any. You know who you the M buffet used to have oh they do by the by uh, the alcohol station yeah it's the one alcohol station people would go to to get something non-alcoholic the root beer at m now you didn't you were at the corporate office right? you weren't at the m yeah buffet. i mean i went out to the m quite a bit and i even went to that buffet a couple times but i just don't remember that now, the corporate office was right by a strip club if i remember oh right yeah. on industrial Plenty road right club. <laughs> <laughs> By coincidence. There's a good story behind how we got that office, but it's kind of long. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it in the offseason. All right. I like the Browns. Last thing on this game, we haven't even talked about the Chiefs. This is a team that's, is it eight straight against the spread they love? Oh, seven and one. Yeah. Okay. And that's fair. Uh, the, the, the Saints game is a Counted push. Counted as push. Yeah. And I think that's, we've made that decision. They haven't won in eight games against the spread. Now, there's two ways to think about this. They're way overrated, and they only were really, they never were that good. I mean, if you really think about it, last year we were explaining away why they were losing because of, well, you know, he was hurt and he came back, and the Colts game doesn't count. And Fez, you were on it. You said they were going to win it. It was a hell of a prediction. It really was. I parroted it in a lot of spots because it made sense for me, uh, to me, what you were saying. But they were down by double digits in all three playoff games. It's amazing they came back, but they still were down double digits. They weren't dominant. And they were 15% to win the Super Bowl at a given point. What was that point? Uh, Third and 16, eight minutes to play, down two scores. All right, right. 15% chance. So Larry Bird almost missing a free throw. I mean, 90%. That's about what it was. Think about it. You don't want your season on Larry Bird missing a free throw. But they, they won, though. Since then, what? They kill. If it wasn't for that Ravens, what's their second most impressive game except for the Ravens game? They whipped the Bills, but it was a bad scheduling oh, yeah. spot. Yeah, it was a horrible spot. Yeah. One in New Orleans by three. But, I mean, what I'm saying is Green Bay went in New Orleans. Went one, to Tampa, beat them. By three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is, is now here's the other side of it. When they're trying, they're unbeatable, right? So against Miami, they were down like, what, 10 nothing or whatever. 
30 to 10. Boom, right off yeah. the bat. Uh, against Tampa Bay, out to that huge. Like, if you look at their best point of these games, and if the game stopped, they might be the best team ever. Oh, they have the best quarters, no doubt about it. Yeah. So now the question is, is it lack of focus in those other quarters? And if it is, if they turn on that focus, this is one of the better teams we've ever seen. Or if their final scores are the truth, they're not even maybe the best team this year. That Maybe Buffalo's better. Mm-hmm. Where is it on that spectrum? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I don't know. I just I does this does the switch get turned here? What what is the line? What does this line of 10 tell us? How is it being priced? So what your spread says it should be seven and a half, your power ratings? Yes. Okay. So literally we're saying this With is with COVID ra- fans, you know. Oh. One point home field. Yeah, yeah, which is appropriate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think KC will have Fans, but not obviously so not. You're many. saying two and a half points of extra value is give, being given to the Chiefs. Yes. So this is saying, and your numbers presupposes what that the final scores are the truth. It's obviously not presupposing that the best is the truth, is it? But it's somewhere in between, right? Yeah, it's in between. Fifty-fifty in between. I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you think, Maddie? I mean, like, about how good the Chiefs are. Like, let me ask you this. All, if you had no other bets, Bill's Chief on a neutral next week, neutral field, what line would you have to take to bet the Chiefs? What would the line be for you to bet the Chiefs? It would have to be less than four. So at minus three and a half, you'd bet the Chiefs? That would, that's kind of my breaking point, maybe. Boy, so you're giving the Chiefs a lot. Or I mean, three. Your, number, your number says a lot. I think than... at three, I'd bet the Chiefs. At three and a half, I would three. stop, and at four, I'd go to the other side. Yeah, my power ratings say the difference is only one. I'll give Kansas City a one-point bump up for playoff experience, uh-huh. possibly throwing the switch that makes it two on a neutral. Oh, on a neutral. Yeah. For some reason, I kept thinking in Kansas City because oh, that's where oh, they would okay, play Okay, so we're on the year. same page then. So, yeah, and on neutral, yeah, I think it's it's two. So you got Casey a little better, but not much better. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't think their final scores are better. No. That's the thing. If you look at the the power. Part of the reason I like the under in this game. Go ahead. Is the fact that Baker Mayfield's not turning the ball over, but as good as this Cleveland defense can be at times, they have pass rushers. Um, their secondary is not terrible. They actually don't get a lot of turnovers either. So this is a team that isn't turning the football over. Baker's only thrown one pick in the last 10 games, and they also don't necessarily generate a lot of turnovers and the fact that Cleveland likes to run the ball and the fact that this total, along with Kansas City being bumped up two and a half points on the spread, this total took a three-point bump. 54 to 57 instantly. 54 being the look ahead? The, the opener, opener. The opener. Okay. and then right to 57. It feels like they also bumped the total. Like Kansas City's going to come out and light them on fire. But I actually think, again, if Cleveland continues to not turn the ball over, even though last game's, which was fluky against Pittsburgh with all those turnovers and special defense scores, that this one has an okay chance of getting under 57. So back to the hint, man. He has the following, and we just heard it. Reading Mahomes off a bye, averaging 38 points, five games. Now, Mackenzie, do me a favor. We got uh, Andy Reid off a bye, but his playoff record isn't near as good. Can you can you pull that? Yeah, I have it right here. It's it's actually six and two, which is you know yeah, pretty, pretty pretty good. good yeah. But you know, I mean, I guess the percentage wise, it's great. But I mean, eighteen and two, whatever, in the other one, right? Or what? What, what is he in the regular season? Straight up, Mackenzie, you have to press the button for the mic to work. 19- 
I'm 19 and 4 straight up, sir. Yeah. It's the button. You just press it. Let's try it again. Woo. Tell us, Mackenzie, about the uh, regular season. 19 and 4 straight up. Andy Reid off a bye. All right. Okay. And, and the number you gave 6 and 2, was that straight up or ATS? ATS is actually both. They're 6 and 2 straight up and ATS. Okay, cool. All right. So I'm not, I guess in a way, since you have the by the other time two in six and two, maybe it's hard to complain. Right? I, that's gotten better with re because I know even a couple years ago, that wasn't near as good. Here's the key. You take out those bad weather games. The Browns have the 31st ranked defense points per drive. I, I, think I don't think we can go under with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I think, I think if you like over, I think you like over for the game. Right, I know it's it's odd because Cleveland's gonna have to. If I, I mean, think, I mean Mayfield, if he's throwing, he's and not. They're probably gonna have to. They're probably gonna be behind, yeah. and they're gonna have to abandon the Chubb and and Hunt, you know, running game. Do do we maybe look at Mayfield's over passing yards? Yeah, it makes sense. Because if he's gonna screw up, he probably screws up in the red zone a few times, and maybe they don't. He, he causes it to go under. But I don't think he's just going to throw incomplete pass after incomplete pass, right? If they're behind, if if you and even if we, Browns could cover and they're still throwing from behind a lot of the game, right? If Mayfield's throwing from behind, is there any? Ch- if Mayfield's throwing from behind, how does it go under? Like, do do we have an early number for him? We don't. I would anticipate it. Like two fifty five was the first number that popped into my head. Okay, somewhere. Around. Can you imagine? Now I get it. If the Browns take the lead. And run the ball. Then you're dead. You're dead. But let's assume. But when he throws for a lot of yards, he throws picks Mayfield this year. Which is why I'm thinking just go with the yardage. Like yeah. if we think that he's going to be fairly successful throwing from behind, why take the 10? What's the scenario the Browns cover don't have the lead for most of the game and he goes under? Meaning if we accept, and I know these are ifs, but they're not going to be in the lead and dominate the game. Let's say we accept that. At that point, but they cover, it feels like almost every time it's going to go over, and he'll go o- passing yards, and he'll go over a bunch and not cover. Like, times they lose by 21, he'll still go over. Right, Steve? Yeah, and I'm just looking at the math here. The Browns are supposed to score 23 and a half points. Based right? on the impute from the spread and the total. Yeah, and the Browns are going to be throwing the ball like crazy in the second half. You know, it, think about this, the NFL average, right? So the Browns are supposed to get almost the NFL average in terms of points per game, and they're going to be throwing. So I like the over. Maybe I like, I like the first half under a little more because I think the Browns the have to come un- out like and try un- to put their game plan into effect, which is run the football with that great two-headed bad f- backfield. Now, maybe if they start getting behind in the second half, they have to abandon that and that's when the scoring spree starts. But isn't that one of the guys injured from the two-headed monster? Oh, that's the Bills two-headed monster. Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I, I think maybe first half under. Okay. You know what most people don't do, and maybe I'm wrong to like this. I like true hedge, not true hedges, but hedging. Meaning, maybe we say under in the first half over passing yards, understanding they're inversely correlated, but saying we're going to lose both of them less than we're going to win, that we're going to win both of them more than lose both yeah. of them, right? Sometimes that's it. Because if you're macro wrong, you're kind of safe. You're going to split out in theory. But if you're, if you're not macro wrong, you have a better chance to win both. I've never done it, but I've thought about it a lot. Have, I mean, you know anyone that works that way, Steve? 
It makes a lot of sense to me to make you make two bets and you say I'm much more likely to go two and zero. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you split most of the time. But yeah. you're gonna go two and zero more now and two. Twenty percent of the time, twenty five percent of the time you go two and zero. Fifty percent of the time you go. Well, I guess we need to go like well, that. Would thir- be the normal. Yeah, thirty five percent. 50, 15. And, like, I don't know if this is a good example, but I'll throw it out. Like, I love when I like a big underdog in the Super Bowl or, or in a playoff mm-hmm. game taking, like, plus 10. And then I always bet, like, let's say I bet $2,000 mm-hmm. on that, plus 10. I always risk a minimum of 2000 the other way that there won't be overtime because I can't lose both bets. If it's overtime, I win my $2,000 plus 10. That's a given. So, okay, that's so it's almost like a positive EV bet on the no overtime. But that- you're not really protecting yourself in that. Like I could see betting the under in a basketball game or for, and then going no overtime if you could. And it's saying in a way you're protecting yourself, right? Here you're saying it doesn't I don't fully understand because well, I've got protection for the overtime. If it goes overtime, I'm gonna win my other bet. Yeah. So it protects but, 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 the overtime bet. But if overtime happens, it doesn't hurt you. It only helps you. You're in a way it's like a multiplier more than anything. But why would that be a good bet if overtime by itself, Citrus Paribus, as they said in uh, economic school, is in a vacuum, if overtime by itself isn't a positive EV bet, why would it be positive EV com- combined? Be- because it is a slightly positive bet, but I don't want to lay out a bunch of money that um, oftentimes because I'm going to win so little. Oh, wait, Only that- in the Super Bowl is it a slightly positive EV bet. Y- yes, although I will say I saw in the Ohio State Cause game. Because la- they got so many people betting a little to win a lot. Yeah, that okay. they, I did yeah. see one book hanging no overtime, bet 10 to win a dollar on the Ohio State. Uh, okay, so now this is interesting. So what you're saying is, because of bankroll issues, require factors, you don't want to have so much at risk, even if it's positive VV. But if in ratio to the big bet you like anyway, it, it you're it's acting as a hedge. So you get the positive EV exposure without the bankroll risk. Exactly. So someone, ah. so if someone say had bet five thousand on Ohio State. So give me exact numbers. All right, risk fifty five hundred to win five thousand. They like the Buckeyes, so they played but, Ohio State. All right. So in that case, it would have been plus nine, let's say. Right. Okay. okay. So I would argue that at a minimum, that person should have bet fifty five hundred on no overtime. Okay. Because the theory, the fifty five hundred to win five hundred fifty. Yes. Okay. And explain why now. I, so far, we understand you got fifty five hundred on plus nine for the underdog. You got fifty five hundred to win. Uh, I guess to win five five hundred fifty, right? If it's ten to one, ten to win one on no overtime. Now, why explain why that works together? Because the no overtime bet mm-hmm. has a slight positive expectation. So what you're saying is, if you lose the no overtime bet, at worst you break even. Yes. Okay. And thus, and let me think this through now. You lose the no, or you, at worst, you break even. You have an extra positive EV bet. And if you don't lose the no overtime, you still can win or you still can lose. Okay. I see it. I don't feel it. Reduce, it reduces your risk. Yeah, so I, no, it, no, I understand that. It's, what, a, it's a positive. I, I just got to think about positive it. Positive expectation bet that reduces your overall risk. You but love that, bets like yeah, that. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Does it, have you seen much of that, Matt? Or I guess it's so unique because of the Super Bowl. It's very unique to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Or very the, big games, championship, national championship. I think these discussions, though, help us learn how to think about stuff, and then we apply it to other things, right? So, okay. Um, so just we got one game left. Let's be clear, though. I've got two picks. I've got Green Bay minus 6.5. I've got Browns plus 10. Now, you both have a pick on the next game. Except for that, 
What was your one pick, Steve? Rams Green Bay under 45 and a half. Now you've equivocated, Matt. What is now your official one other pick? Uh, Browns Chiefs under 57. Okay, under. We got 57 and a half, we'll give you. That's hey. what we're saying. All right, now it's Bucks. Yes, Bucks with a B and the Saints. Minus three with a little extra vig. And this is, correct me if I'm wrong, both of you guys' best bet? Well, hold on, hold on. The winner. Oh. <laughs> I meant to do something different. One second. We've got to go to number two here. Because I haven't been doing this and I've been missing it. So here we go. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. You know, with music, there's certain singers on certain days, like the tone of their voice is just perfect. Like I think Maggie May, Rod Stewart's voice is just perfect on that. I, I think that guy's name is Dr. John. He's a famous jazz guy that did the Blossom theme. His voice is just like perfect. You got every, the mic's just right. It's just perfect. Best bet, best. Best bet. I like the Saints minus the three, laying a little extra vig. Matty, you got the same, right? Yes. All right, so Fez, you start, and we'll, you guys can double team it. Okay, so let's go back through the first two games. These two teams have played. I'm going to make the case that there's clearly, I believe, a matchup that favors the Saints based upon what we've seen. So week one they played. You know what? Saints won that game by 11. I'm not going to put that much stock in that win. So, so, so. so let's simplify this a little bit. The obvious back of the USA Today analysis here is the Bucks got dominated twice. The Bucs have been dominated in general against the Saints team. And remember, uh, Arians was there last year too. So in a way, the scheme has to be accountable. And you're saying, though people are going to say, hey, don't overreact to that. You're saying it's super significant. Exactly. So make that case. And here's why. Because let's go back in time to week 10. So we've got a Tampa team. Well, Brady has had some time to go ahead and get his chemistry with his receivers. Tampa's starting to play better. And Tampa was embarrassed week one. So this is the game that Tampa should circle. This is the game at home in prime time that Tampa should absolutely bring it and should be Tampa's game or be at least a close game. But what, what happens in that game? Complete and utter domination. Now, so often you see a one-sided score like this game, 38-3, to and you say, you know what? It's just like a rolling snowball. A couple things went wrong for a team. Uh, turnover, kick return, things beyond their control, and it just got away from them. But no, in this game, there was nothing fluky at all. The Saints absolutely crushed Tampa. Tampa went three and out their first four drives. The Saints marched down the field each and every time in the first half. The one time they didn't score, they fumbled on the two-yard line. So a 31 nothing. All right, so you're saying you think it was representative. Absolutely. And the eye test. There's a lot of talking for that. And the eye test, <laughs> the eye test too, RJ, is the Saints receivers running wide open. Brady has nobody open when he's back to pass. I think it's going to be Mott's more the same. I'm laying it with the Saints. <laughs> All right, add to it, man. First, do you agree with that, that the, the second matchup is very meaningful? I, I do. But I also think that the the matchup here in general, to get to his point, well, why did this happen both times? Why does the matchup favor New Orleans so heavily? Part of it is I think that, look, Tampa Bay is number three in the NFL in terms of percentage of plays that are pass plays. They're you know, 64% of the time about uh, their plays are pass plays. 
On the other side, the Saints are really good at stopping the pass. That pass defense has gotten really good. Number two in the league in opponent's completion percentage. And Lattimore does especially well against Tampa, it seems. Yeah, he does. And they're number six in the league in opponents in sack percentage. They sack the opposing quarterbacks seven and a half percent of the time. How do you get, you know, how do you beat Brady? You put pressure on him. Uh, so from a defensive standpoint, I just look at it, you know, New Orleans defense, Tampa's offense. Tampa throws the ball as much more than almost everybody in the NFL. New Orleans is really good at stopping opposing passing attacks right now. So I actually think they're set up favorably. And on the other side, everyone's talking about that Tampa Bay rush defense, but their opponents this season have only rushed the TV ball on 34% of the plays. So that's number one in terms of opponents not trying to run against Tampa. And everyone says, oh, look at Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones has not been able to run the ball against the New Orleans Saints. And this Tampa Bay rushing offense has not been that good. I actually think this New Orleans defense is really good. I think they match up really well in this situation. Tampa Bay is set to to stop the run. And I love the fact that there was all these issues of Michael Thomas, injuries and suspensions, but he sure was healthy, ready, and back to be a good teammate last week for the playoffs. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he caught a touchdown. Michael Thomas is a under-talked-about and actually— well, His I th- absence was—if you would have said before the season— that Michael Thomas was going to play as rarely, sparingly as he did, I think people would have said disaster for the Saints. Agreed. But because of that, I also think he's being undervalued, uh his return. And, oh, by the way, what a surprise. He came back, had a big game, caught the first touchdown right away last week. Having him back healthy and part of that team, a healthy Camara. This team's as healthy as they've been all year. This, I think the Saints win this game easy. And you mentioned Ronald Jones, the number one running back for Tampa Bay. He was a late scratch. He couldn't even play last week in a playoff game. That tells me there's something significantly wrong. Obviously, he had the COVID. He had the broken finger. Well, what kicked, got him out of this game was a recent quad injury. So now we've got not one, not two, but three medical issues with him. Now, Fournette had a good game, but Leonard Fournette has been a big step down versus Ronald Jones, and Maddie just mentioned it. For Tampa to move this ball, they want to be able to run the ball, and I don't see that happening with a bang, banged-up Ronald Jones oh, or Fournette. You're saying they don't run the ball much, right? No. So why are you saying they want to run the ball? Because this, the, the matchup has not worked for them in the passing game, so that, that, that's not going to even be an option to try to run the ball more. So they don't want, in some fantasy world, they'd want to, but it's not an option. It's not an option at all. Okay. Um, Mackenzie, how many games did, did Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas play together? And I think t- the best way to get to that is look at Thomas's games because he didn't play that many and see if Kamara and Breeze were in those games. I'm on it. All right. Um, I don't think it was many. I mean, no. was it maybe two others? Except for Maybe. the playoff? Maybe. So that's interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, Fez, Michael Thomas was on that special island of a point and a half with you, right? He was. And is he off that island now? He's off. He's, how he's how one, does that happen? You get hurt and you're off the island? Yeah, he's off. He's a one-point guy now. Why, though? Well, where, where has he been deficient? Like the, Being absent doesn't mean you're less valuable when you're there. Because... When he, he's been absent, well, that's a good point because mm-hmm. he, has, he clearly has not been 100% all year long, but he sure he's looked like it played. last week. He hardly played. Yeah. And when he did, he looked like he was about played 90%. Played seven games during the regular season. He did play seven? Yeah. But some of those were like like he, he would play and just be a decoy. 
mm-hmm. and he wasn't himself. But when you look at his last four games when he was healthy, eight receptions, nine receptions, four receptions, nine receptions, 105 yards. Is that, the last, yards, is that the last four games? That he played in. But it's not the last four for the Saints. No. So he had like a three games or some games. Exactly. Then they, they, three, sat, exactly they shut him down in the playoffs. But he something? did play three late. I mean, he played on December 13th, December 6th. November 29th. Those are the last three. And, and then, then they shut him down. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. And he looked good performance-wise and eye yeah. test. Okay. Uh, Had seven catches and a touchdown last week. This is not a night game, so the whole Brady at night thing. Well, it is a night game. Oh, 340. It, it's a hybrid. 6.40 start. It's a twilight. Uh, it's certainly so going to be dark. fade him in the second half. If you like the Bucks, first half. It's going to be 10 o'clock when it yeah. ends. Is it past his nap time is the question. Oh, yeah. But it's in, oh, okay, but it's in, in New Orleans. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, the Saints have any fans? I don't know. I don't know. I I've don't heard know. people say any fans is huge because the players all are getting their family and friends there. And just the psychology of that, it's not the noise. It's the fact that the friends and family are there. And you want to look good in front of your they, loved you just, ones. You feel yeah. better, you know. Yeah. So does it, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, think? sure. I do think there's it, some effect. What, what, how are you doing it, Fez? With you know, the Bills have what is it, 6,400 or whatever that number is? There's a certain number. Yeah, I, I've been just giving them. I haven't been distinguishing it because there's, there's so because there's so Too much few, work. No, well, that that in the home field for the year has been zero, so it's but, hard for me yeah. to make it more than one. But do you make it? That's the. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of, bunch of machinations. I'm confused. Like what? What do you make home field now, like for the Saints, without any regard for a crowd? One. One. All right. Now, do you believe that having seven thousand people is meaningless? I think it's worth like point one five points. One sixth of a point. Yeah. Now, what about the idea that it's not the noise; it's the fact that who do you think is in that crowd? It's the family. It's the friends. Like if Johnny were playing in the NFL, your son. And one game, Daddy Fez couldn't be there. And he still was somehow able to play. But then the next game, Daddy Fez was there. You don't think Daddy Fez being there would I matter? might even be distracted. I don't know. No, no, you're the dad. You're not playing. He Your might be distracted. Because that relationship is so hot. So, yes. si- no, no, you know, sizzling. What's that show? It's um, <laughs> Mandalorian. It's like Fez and uh, Baby Yoda, whatever his name, Garago, whatever they call him in that show. Grago. Which show is this? Mandalorian. Mandalorian. I haven't heard. Is that a kid Baby show? Yoda. Star Wars. Oh, I don't. I don't like people who like Star Wars. I know. I mean, I'm fine with them as listeners. I'm not judging you. I just don't associate with them. Okay. No, I'm fine with it. Are you a Star Wars fan? No. <laughs> he said, no way. I don't really like Star Wars, but... Um, that series is a little easier to watch because the episodes oh are short. Oh, my God. This is the trend of the year. The only three games that Breeze, Thomas, Kamara has played together was week one against Tampa, week nine against Tampa, and the wild card game. Jesus. That's a trend. Who came I- up with that query? Whoa. Let's see. So you, you got your dream that? music? Matt, dream it. R.J. Bell special when yeah. you do your hits on that. I'm going to have an admin listen. <laughs> that that is noteworthy, don't you think? Yeah. Wow, because now they're feeling good. Like, hey, we got the band back together, guy. And look what happens when we do. Don't tweet that, Mackenzie. <laughs> Retweet me here in a little bit. That, that's a good one, I think. Yeah. That's... I had no idea. Sometimes hard work pays off, Steve. You should try it. Actually, you seem better prepped than usual. 
I would say the past the past six weeks. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't, agree. don't you think? I don't know what the point. I say I agree. That's enough. You Thank don't you. have to keep going. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with you guys on this one because let's be candid. I've been a Saints supporter this year more than either of you. Fez, I mean, we didn't talk about this last week, Maddie, because I'm humble. But you know, we finished the Super Contest nine and one. Yes, the last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you didn't help, but I appreciate that you were there in spirit. <laughs> the last day, I emailed one like Saturday, the last one, like at noon. I go, hey, take your time, shoot your plays over when you got them. We're not submitting until like 9.30. I keep hitting refresh on the email, just hoping it comes in. I, I had a pretty good reason <laughs> that weekend. Oh, like, I, I had a family member oh, die dude. of COVID. Oh, That's pretty good reason. You know what's funny? We just had, We won't mention who it was. We had someone here, and we were busting his balls on something. He goes, well, I can't because my mom has cancer. I said, jeez, we weren't busting your balls that hard on it. I mean, it, was, it was like, yeah, but, I mean, then, you know, we, we told, you know. But it was like, <laughs> you're like, hey, uh, don't bust on me. I family member died. It's like, all right, I won't bust. I'm, yeah. <laughs> is that right? It was an in-law? My in-law's mom, yeah. That's, jeez. Uh, Tough. I don't listen. I'm no doctor. Steve's no doctor, by the way, either. But supposedly the, the the variations now are getting even like the California, you know, which is oftentimes going to have it first because there's you know people finding New York and California is a. And again, I don't even know enough to know, but they're saying that the very the variants of it now are even tougher, you know, harder yeah. on you. Which think you dodge the thing for nine months, and then you finally get it. Yeah, it's tragic. And it's worse. Yeah, it's bad. And I, I tell you this, I'm just going by eye test. People's diligence, and this is not a political rally, you know, so there's going to always be a mix of Democrats, Republicans, you know, any normal place. There's a lot less people seemingly giving a shit. I mean, like, I think the masks are kind of like people are almost social, what's that called, when you have social pressure to wear? But when in offices and stuff... I mean, even two months ago, people were saying, I just in general don't feel like people are doing that as much. I mean, not talking about any particular. I think they're hitting the line like, hey, enough. I think people, and I don't want to speak for anyone, but it kind of felt like everyone was pointing to the election and the end of the year. Like, A, once the election's over, and B, let's just get through 2020. But both those things are gone now. We got through the election. We got through the end of the year, and people want to turn the page. I know on this I, thing. Not, and, I mean, I'm just thinking for myself. I'd be pissed if I got it now. Yeah, because especially if you got some bad version. Yeah, dodge it for a year. That's then, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, well, pursuant to what you're saying, U.S. deaths 4,400 yesterday. Highest number, ever. Highest number. Yeah, highest so day, far. single day rate ever of COVID deaths in one day. How many times you don't know, like if if, if the Browns practiced on Monday, but you know that number. How did that happen? I just it was everywhere. It that was a number. It was, okay. everywhere. it was one of those things. It was pretty plastered well, let's everywhere. Let's be honest. The, the Fezzik family's applying all their IQ to make sure little Johnny doesn't get it. I mean, you got ultraviolet wands, apparently. You got things even like they don't have, you know, at the state house or whatever, or at the, at the county courthouse. <laughs> so, listen, when you're raising a prince, now, do you think when Johnny becomes old enough, like maybe in his 20s, they'll change the rule of president. You know, you got to be 36 now. You think they'll change it so he can take leadership early? Or what, <laughs> what do you think? Well, I will say this. He just <laughs> qualified for the finals of an eighth grade math competition, and he's in fifth grade. 
I, I mean, like I said, is is I'm wondering, is Johnny available to do some of your handicapping? He, he already is. <laughs> that's that's a done deal. I, I mean, Matt. I mean, I think he's. Sm- I mean, he's not a big. I haven't seen him for over a year. He's. I mean, he's normal size for his. Yeah. Guy. No. He could sit right there, right? Sure. Give him a little mic, and he'd be like, "Dad, you're wrong about." I don't know when we can do it. It's going to be a highly rated show. All right, guys, any closing thoughts? So I'm going to agree with you on the Saints. I've been a Saints backer. I am concerned about one. Yeah, I am concerned about one thing, though. There was a lot of teams that people said, how good are they? Because at the end of the year, they played some for two, or some good, or some, uh, what would it be, advantageous schedules. So I think the Ravens were in that category. They beat up on some bad teams, and then we wonder how good are they. But you could make the case beating Tennessee was good, but you could also make the case Tennessee's D is so bad it doesn't tell you much. Scoring about twenty isn't exactly exactly. Yeah, I think the Bucks were in that category. After the bye, they didn't play a lot of tough games. I would make the case that the Washington D was as tough as anyone, any D right up there. And Brady played really well in that. Five hundred plus yards of offense. Yeah, yeah, they were good. So in general. Just oh, they didn't even cover the main number, right? No, they no, didn't. Eight, right? So it yeah. wasn't even covering the later number. Mm-hmm. But I think you got to give the Bucks a serious upgrade. The offense, yeah, but I, I think Heineke just—it doesn't feel repeat, especially with Breeze, right? I mean, it was like a very different quarterback that, which is why we think running quarterbacks are. But good. But surprisingly, for as good as we talk about Washington's D line, they just—and you could say, "Hey, well, it's because Tampa's offensive yeah. line played so good." But they didn't get that pressure up the middle that you that, need isn't to that get the on sign Brady. That, sure, and maybe it's that Tampa's offensive line is good. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, but do but, we maybe like the over too? No, I think Tampa New Orleans defense shows up in a major way. And you think, and what you saw though it. Causes you to upgrade Tampa's offense, not enough to worry you here. I don't like them in this match. This is a bad matchup for them. I'll tell you this. Bruce Arians is not an elite X's and O's coach, in my opinion. So if they have to change, go away from their strengths, that makes me like them even less. I agree. All right, boys, good stuff. We only got three NFL games left. Talk to you next week. And by the way, we've got that conversation about in-game batting to follow. Talk to you soon. So you're saying even we're not even talking 10 years ago, 20, you're saying in a couple years there's been a, do you think in Nevada specifically everyone's woken up to that difference or some people are still in the same model because they don't have ambitions outside the state? I think Nevada's different. Okay. Their regulations are different. The things that old, are allowed are different. A lot of old boys club. I mean, a lot. They, they, yeah. And so. let's face it. You still have to go to a casino in Nevada and physically hand them an ID and physically hand them cash in order to bet. So you get more brand get, loyalty. and th- Yeah, in order to get your account going. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. At least that, yeah. Okay. Where you get a whole different clientele in these states where you can sign up, fund, and do everything remotely via your phone. And, and is that credit? Do they allow credit cards now? Oh, yeah. Everything. In a lot of these what states. What states is that? A lot of states are allowing credit cards. Yeah. Wow. Debit cards especially. Well, yeah, because in theory you can't bet what you don't have, right, yeah. in that case. Well, t- here's what I would say. In general, I've always poo-pooed the whole, and I'm talking years ago, oh, regulated. Because to me, Nevada would screw you the, if they could, and just like the online books would screw you if they could. I think now he might have an interesting point is – if you're worried about not just the one time a year that there's some decision that Nevada might force them to make, but now they're risking their license in theory. 
and thus the billions the, of dollars the across the country. The legitimacy that comes yeah. from that, the trust factor maybe is higher. Because we always say, well, you know you're going to get paid here. It's a good point, but it was a small factor. Now you know you're getting a fair shake. Like, I wouldn't go play craps at some backroom casino. I would expect to get cheated. Yeah. Right? So in a weird way, we were in the outlaw world so much. Vegas kind of acted like outlaws, I think, in that they didn't really care, it seemed. Because when you got – I don't want to name any names, but when you got guys that are like over a $500 bet aren't paying people and they're, they're writing articles about it for 10 years and people are still just sitting there going, who cares? I don't care. Some days are – you know, it's like the great line from um, Succession when this shit was hitting the fan for the main character – and someone walks in and goes, tough times. He goes, eh, some days are sunny, some are rainy. He, did, he This dude wasn't bought. Have you watched Succession? Yes. Oh, my God. Is that good? I, it is I, good, yeah. It's a great show. So, interesting. Okay. One last thought, though, on why this might be. A different market, as we said. And thus, there's, it's a sharper market playing in game, wouldn't you say? Not anymore. Really? I, I will say this. I think a lot of the sharps that used to play pregame have now gravitated to in-play betting because they found ways like to take advantage about. of it. But why? So two years ago, everyone said, well, you want to bet the derivative markets in the NFL because they're, you know, they're so flush with um, square people that bet them because they're the fun bets, right? So you mm -hmm. attract. But then the sharps took them over. The books didn't want to. Uh, not only did they not offer as many, but they monitored who was betting them closely and you would get cut off. So what happened is now where did the rest of those people, the, the fantasy players, the oh, fun Steve, guys go? Like he, they like went to betting right in play. <laughs> no, they went to betting. So anytime all the liquidity goes to one place, where do the sharps go? They chase that liquidity and try to find inefficiencies in the market. So nobody's ever perfected in play yet. While it's fun and it's great and they've managed it through limits, nobody's perfected when it. You say on no one's perfected on the, the, the side? book side. Okay, okay. On the book side, no one's you know perfected it. So there's obviously more inefficiencies than pregame, but because of the amount of public betting in play now, the sharper betters have also gravitated there because they can get down because the books are willing to say, "I'll deal with you" because I also have ten squares as well, so I have liquidity. Because if you didn't have that square liquidity, you'd get shut off eventually. Does that sound right? It does. And one more key point is so you got the public, you got the sharp betters, but what you don't have is the big syndicates. The limits are just Correct. not high enough for them to get involved. So it's almost like the WNBA then? Yes, Where very you much. You get down for a bunch of nipples. WNBA years ago, because you can't even nowadays, the WNBA limits are so low. It's it's less than a nickel? Yeah. Yeah. It's, really gone down. it's like the $100 limits on second half totals, things like that. Which, well, if you can't bet a dime on second half WNBA totals, <laughs> you're not an American. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're straight or not straight out of Vegas. We do that on the weekdays. This is the Dream Preview with Steve Fazek, Maddie Holt. Great behind the scenes conversation. Matt, do you want to say what you said when we were eating pizza? Bernie Frado brought in some pizza for us. And at one point you pound your fist and you said, I'm the Do you want to say that publicly or what? <laughs> you made a very positive statement about yourself. Uh, I, I just said I was <laughs> talking about how we all um, get to where we want in life. And we're talking about, you know, movies and art and entertainment and how much time we have to watch it. And I said, Look, very little you know, for you guys. I didn't have much to do it because I dedicated my entire life, you know, every waking second to sports and sports betting and regulated sports betting because I wanted to be a CEO and then I wanted to be own my own company. And I accomplished them both. But by doing so, I probably 
sacrificed a lot of those other things. You didn't see Fargo, for example. And No, I didn't. <laughs> Listen, I but didn't. I did say I probably know more about sports betting than anybody in the country. Regulated damn, sports damn. betting. So I'll admit to what I said. I said I, I know more about regulated <laughs> sports betting than anybody in the United States. Tag it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We got him to say it on mic. Now, you know what's funny? <laughs> Batty's an ego guy because he does work hard and he, he knows his shit, but he doesn't usually say it. When he said it, I was like, wow, he must be really confident or drunk. Were you buzzing? <laughs> I got to be honest. I, I don't know enough about it to know, meaning the regulated stuff, but you are the most articulate I've heard. Like, like if I had, if I could have a guest on to ask him a question, it'd be you. And to me, that's the, that's what matters. It doesn't really matter what you know. It matters what you can share. Articulate. Yeah, art- and thank or, you. Or execute upon. So. But I will say this. Look, I haven't worked a day in any other industry besides regulated sports betting since I graduated college. So my oh, entire post-collegiate. Yeah, I mean, since I graduated college. Oh. I went to the service, then college. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. okay. Which is kind of the standard. You go to the service, they give you a GI Bill for college. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, that is Matty Holt. That's usintegrity.com, the watchdogs. I'm, I'm working on his branding. It's it, <laughs> Listen, it, it's good. The company's good. You got a little castle. I'm not sure about the logo, the castle. <laughs> People love It's the shield. Oh, I thought it was like the castle that you were protecting. It's supposed to be the shield. Oh. Are you sure? Man, that sucks that you don't. Does that look? Look, I see it on the back of your thing. That looks like the edge of a castle. It's a shield, the whole shape oh, of it. Oh, I understand, but that's the castle right there. Yeah, well, the castle's okay. in the shield. Every okay, shield but, needs but a the signet. Key, the key is like you got, there's an old saying. Our signet, protect the castle with the shield. Exactly. And the castle's regulated sports betting in America. And you're protecting it. Correct. And so it was what I thought. I just, the, the shape, I looked like a little, like a merit badge or something, but I thought it was the, the castle because, like they say, if you have a fortune, you got to build a castle because someone's going to want to take it from you. I will say this about the name of the company. Maybe we need a new logo. (laughs) I love the name. Yeah, the name. We actually talked about a huge merger with a bunch of sports betting compliance companies, a lot of them. I thought you didn't have any competition. That are very bigger than us. Well, they do different things, different parts of compliance. And we thought, well, what if we merged and put them all together? And everybody said, yeah, a great idea. The name would have to be U.S. Integrity. We didn't. I mean, oh, we I certainly want the biggest, but just because a name is so important. The thing I would say, though, is it's a the problem is the is a URL like that. Because what happens is when you say U.S. Integrity, and remember, bet us, which was unregulated. People didn't know if that was bet U.S., if that was bet us. If you actually, the way you did it here, and I'm looking at your little logo uh, or your sticker, is if you were to put a space there, because not putting a space implies you're trying to make it a URL. And to me, that's a little confusing because I would say make integrity all caps and U.S. not. But now U.S. shouldn't be, you know, it's, you're not, you know. That's right, so, U.S. But then if you make integrity small, and that's why when you guys, like you, like your URL uses U, USI at some point, right? Uh, no, it's usintegrity.com or USI dashboard if you I was just thinking about client. on your Twitter, isn't there a, what's your Twitter? I think there's something. Uh, good question. It's Matthew Holt, USI, yeah. Yeah. So to me, I think you got to figure an approach and just repetition with it, right? Yeah. But but you're right. U.S. integrity, you know. It's like U.S. Steel. I, it's great. We're bigger than U.S. Steel. And yeah, that's it. We are now. Now, <laughs> I would say one thing. When you have a name, last little freebie here. When you have a name that doesn't describe what you are, because you don't know is that integrity of what? Taxes? Sure. You want to have a tagline that's just very clear. Like, think of Starbucks. Starbucks, 
it says what a coffee company or something. I, mean, I don't know. They do they have a tagline? Well, they well for a long time you wouldn't just and now they've gotten so big maybe not. You would never just see Starbucks. It always had the little descriptor line that said a coffee cup. Cause you how would you know what Starbucks is? So to me, I don't know what the line would be. Is sports betting compliance or like just one three word thing that you always use? Because it's such a great name. But until you knew, if I said U.S. Integrity before you, um. You know, you'd have no idea. Yeah. You wouldn't be sure, right? Yeah. Once you know, you know. But maybe you know that. To me, on that sticker, if you just had to think of a tagline, yeah, and it would be very literal. Now, pregame is literal, which is good and bad because Google, like, you think of the best names. They're not Apple. What's Apple got to do with computers, right? What's Google? People didn't even know what that was, right? Yahoo. Y- Yahoo. Was yeah. Google even a real word? It is. Google? It means like a hundred zeros or something. Oh. The, the, oh, Steve, go ahead. Northwestern you, grad. You, you just said it. <laughs> but, yeah, so it was a kind of an inside joke, but it was great because it was a – they got the – you know, it was, what, 96 or whatever. So, to me, you've got a name almost like pregame, though pregame is a little bit descriptive. You don't know if it's batting, if it's whatever. So, we've always kind of thought of how do we do – for you, do you have a tagline? Yeah, you know, it, we've changed it over the years. You know, connect oh. before you bat was one of them when it was more social. It's just, I've never hit that home run with it. And hopefully we've gotten to the point. But again, we got to keep worried about new people too. But I think. But you guys have been along so long after a while. Yeah, but that, but see, it. if you start thinking like that, it's a problem because now there's a whole new audience that doesn't know about yeah. you. I love the name, though. I just think you should forget. You are, plus, you're not that B, you're not much of a B2C anyway. No, no, we're all B2B. Yeah, so maybe by having that space in there, like you, I think making it look like a URL makes it confusing. But I love the name. I'm surprised that was available. Did you have to buy that, or was it? Yeah. But it was but a fair person, price. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, I don't think people, I don't think you see those big, like, six-figure. No, not unless there's, I mean, if, if a name that yeah. is classic comes on board now. Uh, and plus, the .coms are still the best, but there's so many .ios sure. and there's different things now. Good name, and I've never seen someone spend money on a name that didn't pay off. Because it's the thing, just think, when people say, like, I work for so-and-so, people get off on saying, I work for Google, I work Apple. If you got a company that has a great name and it helps early stages, people will be excited to even work there. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah.